2: Welcome to another episode of Tales from the Crips. I am obviously Cripple Cody. That's Michael J. Who thinks he produces everything very well. Why?
3: Most times.
2: Why are you cutting me off? I'm talking about how you suck at producing your own network. I disagree. Wow. I- okay. And and tonight we have a very special guest who is with us already. I, what is your name? I'm just going to call you Cripple Threat. <laughs> <Is that> what- <laughs> it's it, it's
3: uh it's uh, over there there's the name right there and i actually oh, framed it up pretty okay. well there that was actually nice i think that was accidental but it looked good it looks good
2: yeah it was accidental <laughs> yeah it definitely was i can guarantee you that well welcome to the show ryan thanks for coming tonight i appreciate it thanks for having me gentlemen yes now I am aware that you are a comedian. Uh, can we just say a sit-down comedian instead of a stand-up comedian? Uh that would be incorrect. I am really? just a, uh, I am just up? a
3: uh, a limb difference comedian. Oh, okay. So I, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I sorry to get a little cocky and rub it in your faces, but yeah, I do. I strut around that stage. I can't no, hold no. anything when I'm doing it, but I am yeah. strutting.
2: No, 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 it's completely (laughs) fine. Um, Whenever we have new guests come on to our show, I actually, um, I steer clear of finding much out about our guests because I'm interviewing you from the perspective of some of our friends, our audience, who might not know anything about you. So I don't wanna come from the perspective that what I already know, so, you know. So let's start off with, uh, you. how'd you get into comedy? What? Uh, talk to us about maybe uh, your younger years and how you got comfortable with speaking in front of a room full of people you don't know.
3: Uh, a p- part of that, that the actual speaking formally in front of people took a while to learn. That part I didn't quite figure out. As far as being a comedian, I sort of learned that instinctively from a very young age. Um, I, I don't think I'm the only person uh, in the you know disabled community that has had a similar experience to this. But, you know, I grew up in a really small town and we grew up very poor. So there wasn't exactly anyone else that looked like me. So and and, and kids are mean. That is just what kids do. (laughs) They don't know any better. They are uh, uh, they're they're jerks, for lack of a better phrase. And um, so I kind of learned very early. I never really got bullied all that much because I figured out how to make the jokes before everyone else did like I was so much more ruthless to myself and I just knew how to kind of like playfully roast people back <laughs> before yeah. they could really say anything that um, I didn't really got made fun of all that much. And then sort of when I started getting into like high school years, like, I kind of was class clown. But when I started realizing kind of the, sort of the power that I had, like if you, if you can make people laugh, you can make them do whatever you want. And that sounds a little more sinister than I intended to.
2: No, <laughs> but- I completely understand what you mean.
3: Yeah, yeah. If you, if you get people laughing, they instinctively like you. They want to, you know, do things for you. So I sort of learned that there's a lot of power in being able to make people laugh. And then kind of as I got into college, I did theater in college. That's what my degree was in. And it sort of just transitioned from there to stand up. I was like, well, tired of making people laugh for free. I might as well try to get paid for it.
2: Right. That's awesome. Um, I know exactly what you mean about the whole you got to make people laugh in order for them to feel comfortable enough with you uh in order to be there for you as a friend yes aaron tonight it is a cripple threat (laughs) yes um i was just talking to my uh nurse slash friend uh just the other day i'm lucky enough to have a couple of home health aides that are my real life friends thank god uh because i don't know if you've ever had to be in the situation where you've had to be taken care of by strangers uh it's not fun
3: yeah, yeah. L- l- luckily, uh, luckily, I got my wife for that. And, and <laughs> for, for a lot of things, I don't need a lot of help. Um, it was just sort of based on, you know, necessity. You know, we, we, we were very poor growing up. And I don't even know if we could have afforded the resources if I did need them fully. Um, obviously, there's things I struggle with, I do need assistance with. But fortunately, I, I sort of, m- maybe just by circumstance, kind of figured it out, <laughs> you know, to the best that I could. Uh, Yeah, like he was one of those things like from an early age, like, well, they they look at you weird if you're not wearing pants in public. So I better figure this out somehow. Uh, But luckily having my wife with me now, if there are those few things that are a little problematic, it's a lot easier asking someone who's uh, legally stuck with you (laughs) than it is a stranger for sure. Yeah.
2: I mean, someone who legit loves you instead of someone who's just showing up for a paycheck. Exactly.
3: Exactly. I I
2: do. I do pay her, but not well. So it's it's very,
3: it's very entry level. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Um, no, I, uh, without saying any names, both Michael and I, we know other disabled people who they just come down on themselves too much and they're way too emotional and oh, poor me. I I'm terrible. And and, and you got to understand as a disabled person, that's not going to get you over that, you know, that's not going to, that's not going to get you what you're after. You know, if you're after people to give you respect, you have to earn it. You can't, you can't just make people feel bad for you.
3: Yeah. And and, and that's something too. I, I'm always careful not to just blanketly state to people like, yeah, just, you got to be positive and work hard and it works out because I know it's easier said than done. You know, um, I, I figured out how to use this to my advantage and, and understand that you know, this is what it is and I can either be sad about it or I can work with it. But that, that's a long journey and, and it takes a while for, for everyone. You know, it, yeah. it's it, it's easy to say because like people will look at me now and be like, oh, you're so confident and you're so, you know, you're so open with it and vulnerable. They're like, yeah, but I'm almost 40. You know, it's not like every day I wake up and I'm like, this is awesome. I love, you know, like there's more to it. I, I always describe I'm a big video game guy, as you can kind of tell behind me.
2: I um, see that. I was gonna get into that in, in a little bit later in the discussion. Yeah, we can talk about it.
3: I'm always happy to talk about my four thousand game video game collection for okay. sure. Okay. <laughs> we can definitely chat about that. Um, uh, but but uh, I always kind of describe by having my disability. Um, if if this was a video game create a character, this is not the model I would have chosen. Of
2: course, <laughs> but
3: but it's the one I got. Uh and, and that was kind of the turnaround for me because I, I did have a lot of that, you know, growing up and especially in college. You know, when I was having trouble dating and having trouble finding work and stuff like that, it's it's hard not to have those times where you're like, poor me. Why did this happen to me? The world like this isn't fair to me. Uh, And then eventually I just had to get it through my head. It's like I can be sad and cry about it. And you're allowed to have those days for sure. I think that's something it's important to let people know. You can be pissed off about this 100 percent. Yeah. But but you can be sad and whiny and upset. I'm not, I was never going to wake up the next day and have arms though. Like there was no amount of crying (laughs) that was suddenly going to cure me. So kind of once I got there through my head, it was like, okay, I can, I can bitch about this or let's see if I can put it in a positive way and kind of figure out something that worked for me. And for me, that was comedy.
2: Yeah. Basically what you're saying is you're not going to be able to wake up tomorrow and have an arm wrestling contest with your bros. Exactly. I mean, I could, I'd lose. But <laughs> you know, I can I can do it. That's maybe I maybe I should have said should and not
3: could. <laughs> I, said, I said they're gonna look like like jerks when they beat me. But so yeah, maybe yeah. I can use that to my advantage, though. Exactly. Even
2: when you're losing, you're winning because they're the bullies.
3: Exactly. I just got to get enough witnesses around, and that's when you get that free stuff we were talking about. If you get those things handed to you, mm-hmm. you got to have the right people uh, watching when you're suffering.
2: Right. 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 <laughs> <laughs> now, um. You touched on it a little bit just a minute ago, but I wanted to dive into this uh, subtopic just a little bit. To the best of what you're comfortable talking about, tell me a little bit about either childhood, teenagehood, or now in adulthood. What are some of the things that does upset you or offend you, Uh, either to do with the world and how women maybe look at disabled people or how maybe there's not enough accessibility in certain places that should be, anything that you feel comfortable talking about?
3: Sure. Um, for me, o- always the biggest—if uh, I had to say offended—because I, I did have those moments for a while. Of you know, nobody's ever gonna you know want to love somebody with a disability, and you know, you you have those thoughts, and, and it's tough. But the way I try to—I had to spin it in my head—is realizing that there's certain things I'm attracted to, as well, you know, and there's certain things that I'm not attracted to and whether it's fair or not that's not really the question i think a, a disability is different from what a lot of people are used to it, it's not so much that it's bad or gross i'm not trying to imply that obviously but for most people you know they don't grow up having a crush on someone in a wheelchair for instance that's that's not like the normal standard of beauty based on how the media portrays it right. and, and everyone has their own things you know some people don't care at all about that, that doesn't factor in. For some people, it's a deal breaker. You know, with my, uh, with my current wife, uh, we actually dated before, like years ago. And at the time, she had troubles with it wasn't that my disability bothered her. But now suddenly, she was a part of that world that she wasn't used to. So for instance, I'm pretty accustomed to people staring at me when I'm in public. I can kind of, you, you know, you just assume it's happening. I don't always make a stink about it because usually it's just people being curious. It is what it is. I'm mm-hmm. used to, I always know when someone's, you know, looking like, oh, what is that? My mm-hmm. wife wasn't used to that. She's not used to people staring at her. So we'd be holding hands and now suddenly she's feeling all these eyes on her. Right. You know? and, and and I, I don't falter for it because I understand because that's tough. It's a tough thing to be thrown into. And, and that was really hard for her. To kind of feel, because in her head it's like, well, there's nothing wrong with him. Why don't you people leave us alone? And and like that is really that really got to her there. Right. Um, the biggest thing though that's always bothered me, um, and, and, and it's part of I think why I was able to turn this into comedy was the the inspiration porn right. aspect of having a disability. Because um, even at a young age, I'm talking five six years old, you know, I played like little league baseball. I was pretty good at it in the way that a five-year-old is good at anything athletic. You know, mm-hmm. I knew I knew the rules of baseball. That automatically made me better than 80% of the other five-year-olds playing. Like, that's all you need to know. Mm-hmm. But but even as like a five, six-year-old, even if they're well-meaning, hearing other parents be like, oh, you're pretty good. You could play in the majors one day. Mm-hmm. And as a five-year-old, I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> like, that's never going to happen, you know? Um, I, I I think this is kind of should apply to children in general, but especially individuals with disability. I always personally found it harmful when anyone would try to tell me I could do anything because that's not true of anybody. You right. know, like like, like, like there's certain things I, I would have loved to have been a baseball player. My, my first passion was pro wrestling. I would have loved that. I'm not, I don't have the body type. I don't have the, you know, I'm not a natural athlete. That was just never going to happen.
2: Oh, <laughs> Ryan, my friend, I hope you have a while because it seems like we're going to have a lot to talk about today.
3: Yes, I mean, that's where the cripple threat name came from for me. That was going to be my wrestling name. I trained to be a wrestler for like two months and my back couldn't take it. It was, it was rough
2: on the body. <laughs> it's rough. You, you, you're in the wrestling, you're in the video games. Jesus Christ, we're yeah. going to have a lot to talk about. Anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, you're fine.
3: But, but, but I, I, always would get so mad when, like, you know, I, I think it's very harmful to a child to tell them they can do anything because that, that's untrue of any of us. No, right. Not, there's not a single one of us that can do anything we put our mind to. That's not how the world works. Right. I, 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 I would have appreciated, and if I'm ever lucky enough to have kids, this is the way I'm going to look at it. I, I'm going to tell my kids, and I think people should tell their kids, there's going to be a lot of stuff you suck at. That's just the nature of it. And there's gonna be certain things that physically you will not be able to do. However, there's gonna be things you are good at. So try stuff, figure out what you're good at, figure out what you're better at than everybody else and do that. I would get so frustrated because as a kid, you don't fully understand when they'd be like, "Oh, you could, you could totally be on the basketball team," and then I would try really hard, and I'm like, "Why do I suck so bad at this? I'm working hard. I'm trying just as hard as everybody else. Yeah. Why
2: am I terrible?" People put all get- that pressure on me and told me I could do it, and then yeah, and then it'll cause anxiety for you, and exactly, future. it, it, it made it crushed my
3: confidence in a lot of ways. And there were certain things I was good at, and I tried to focus more on those. But when people tell you so much, you can do anything. You could do anything you can't. And and that's not being negative. That's not a negative. I don't think it necessarily is this pessimism to it. We're just all gonna suck at stuff. You know, you made the joke about arm wrestling. If I had if my dream was to be a professional arm wrestler, that'd be the saddest dream ever, because it's never gonna happen. You know, (laughs) so like, why would I crush my hopes with that? That was always the part that bothered me that that was always so offensive to me. And like, I never knew how to kind of put it into words when I was a kid but kind of as i got older it was that experience of like no stop it i'm not like no i i'm I'm not you know ryan the wonder cripple who can do every single thing in the world that's not how human beings work you know
2: so ryan the wonder cripple that's exactly that's great (laughs) great. (laughs) i i want to back up just real quick because you said something earlier that caught my attention that i'm going to need you to elaborate a little bit more on did i hear you say the words current wife how many goddamn times have you been married
3: it, 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 it's just my it's just the one it's, it's oh. just the one wife it's the oh. first man I, I wanted to say current so that like i didn't have to explain uh because c- we did have the gap where we dated we broke up we didn't date for 15 years and then and we connected yeah did
2: you have any mistresses or anything like that
3: uh, ah no i'm not that cool man I, oh. as, as, as far as comedians go i i am so boring there, there, oh. there's, so, there's so many that have stories about like how many times they've gotten drunk or all the drugs they've done or all the hookers they pick up when yeah. I'm on the road, when I'm on the road, I go to video game stores that, that, that is, that's the wild thing that I do now, <laughs> when I'm traveling.
2: So in between your current wife and you dating in the past and now being married, you didn't, have you ever had any other girlfriends or just one woman in your life?
3: I, 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 I dated here and there. Like I've had a few. Um, that's, it's one of the benefits of being a funny guy. You're like.
2: Sometimes people will give you some chances for that, yeah, ask, um just ask these random bitches if they want the funny bone to exactly. Go yeah. well, I,
3: mean, I mean, it also helps, you know, I have hands that are actually sex toys, like, like oh. I, 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 I've been able to use things to my advantage. Don't worry, it's wait when you when you have a disability, you learn to work smarter, not harder a lot of yeah. times. that is yeah. <laughs> you you find the path of least resistance to get a lot done, yeah, um, exactly. Uh, But for for me, it was a combination. The reason I kind of never really got married, um, my wife was kind of always my one that got away. So I kind of always had that like sense that like something might happen. Um, And then it was also a combination of we broke up just a little bit after I started stand up comedy and disability aside, dating somebody who's trying to do what I do, you know, do stand up comedy. It is tough because, man, I've been doing over 15 years now based on how much you have to work and how much you have to travel and be away from home, that's tough on anyone to want to date, you know? Cause like, you know, obviously with the pandemic, things have been, you know, they've been busy, they've been slow depending on the time, but on like a normal year where everything is fine. I could be gone potentially 40 to 50 weeks a year, you know, wow. as far as the weekends, you know, and, and, and that's tough for anybody. Like you have to have a really understanding partner to like get the fact that like, yeah, you know, I would love to go to your mom's birthday party, but I'm working in Dallas. You know, like there's always like things like that that just is what it is. Um, so it's a combination of that, and, and and I'll be honest, like in between there, I would not have dated me. Like in hindsight, like like we we talked a little bit before, I, I had a lot of issues with depression and and being mad about having the disability and kind of having this thought in your head that like how how much easier would life be if I didn't get chosen. To have this thing.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: A- 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 and I wasn't the best version of myself, you know, and, and I think I think, I think it's important. And, I, and I'll tell anyone that always has questions about that, or, you know, people have like parents of children with disabilities. It's it's okay to feel that sometimes, you know, like, you're gonna have those rough days. It's not all positive. It's not all that's not how the real life real world is hard for all of us. <laughs> you know, we, we have it extra hard sometimes. A- and, and I was just I was not the best version of myself. In between there, it, it took a lot of self-reflection and a lot of work and, you know, a lot of therapy and just kind of getting your head straight to realize like, you know, I am what I am and that's okay.
2: Right. Now, because uh, I'm not sure if we clarified this yet on our show tonight, wh- what is your exact disability?
3: Uh It is a, just a congenital birth defect. So uh, there was, uh, as far as I know, so uh, I was born in 1982 and we were very poor. So it wasn't exactly a situation where we got a ton of experts in on that. You know, like we didn't do a ton. It was one of those things that when I was born, um, my mom and dad were just like, "Um, "Okay, so he has the limb difference. Everything else cool and everything else is. And so it was kind of like, all right, well, that's what it is. Um, I I I did have some uh, some times going to the Shriners Hospital Uh, my, uh, my home base for that was Chicago growing up. I did the surgery. These fingers used to be fused when I was born. Mm -hmm. So they, uh, they did the surgery to kind of split those. So I had, you know, more ability to function like that. Um, but that was kind of basically it. So as far as I know, we we don't know exactly what happened. As far as I know, it's not genetic. My mom had the flu really bad when she was pregnant with me and had to be hospitalized for that. So we think it might've had something to do with that. Mm-hmm. But we're 40 years too late to kind of do all those studies and, you know, figure that what? out specifically. Yeah.
2: Well, I was just thinking you'd be royally fucked if you went to a Chinese buffet for a date and had to use some goddamn chopsticks or oh, something. Oh,
3: yeah. That's always the it, – it's gotten to the point, of some of the, like, it's always funny watching them. They just bring me a fork instinctively in most <laughs> places. <laughs> They're just like, we know how this is going to end up. And, and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to learn how – like, it's one of those things that, like, could I learn to use chopsticks? Probably. If I really put my mind to it, I have, I have so much other things to do. Just give me a fork. I'm cool.
2: (laughs) Next time you go to a Chinese buffet or a place like that, just look at the server real serious and be like, should I be sold on the black market? (laughs) (laughs) Um, now let's get a little bit more into your comedy and, and some of the stories about that. You said you traveled. Have you traveled all over the country, or just certain states?
3: Yep. Yeah, I, I've been all over. I, I'm, a, I'm a I'm a national act at this point. So I was based out of Indiana originally. Uh, I'm in California now. I uh, if you're willing to pay me, I will go there. I am not. Uh, I'm not too
2: proud. That's awesome. Um, I I did want to ask because there's always some bad apples in the bunch. Talk sure. to me a little bit about maybe some bad fan interactions or if some people at one of your shows was a little too disrespectful and how you dealt with that?
3: Uh, it's, I mean, part of doing this job, uh, and it doesn't matter how successful you become at this job, you're always going to deal with heckling. It, it's part of the deal. Um, you know, it, it's, I, I, I haven't had too many super bad experiences. I'm very fortunate. I'm going to knock on wood right now for that. <laughs> um, honestly, I I always found the worst part of it, because, you know, in my act, it's not exclusively about it. But obviously, I talk about my disability, because it's my life. You know, it's it's not it's not a gimmick, or anything like that. It's actually what I exist. Mm -hmm. A good a good comedian in my eyes, talks about their actual life experiences, they're willing to be vulnerable, they're willing to talk about what's happened to them. My life happens to be as someone who has a disability. So of course, I'm going to talk about having the disability. The most issues I usually have where I have bad experiences, it's either somebody getting mad that I'm talking about my disability, like, oh, he just talks about that. No, I'm talking about my life, you morons. Like, I'm not, <laughs> you know, this isn't a crutch. I can't even use a crutch. So, <laughs> why, you're not, this is not going to be a crutch to you, you know. Um, so, you get people to get mad about that. Um you know, my, my big claim to fame, I was on America's Got Talent a couple of years ago, and I ended up getting third place. And 98% of the interactions I had based on that were positive. The other 2% would be, oh, he just talks about his arms. Yeah, because it would be so much weirder if I never mentioned them at all. Right. Like, if I never mentioned my arms, it would just be the audience looking at me like, he's got to know, right? Like, should we tell him this? <laughs> You know, does parents just never tell him and he thinks he's clumsy? Like, what's going on here? Uh, so you'll either get that, people getting mad that I talk about it too much, or the other bad experiences, and these ones are trickier because they think they're being helpful, is when people will just say handicap jokes to me. <laughs> you know? <clears throat> because they like, like, and it's so weird because, like, when people, when people find out you're a comedian, they think they can say whatever they want, Because, oh, it's a joke. There's no way he'll get offended. Mm. So 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 they'll say like, and I can't even think of an exact example off the top of my head, but they'll say things that are like legitimately disrespectful. Like, not in a comedy setting. I I didn't just get off stage. They just know it's my job. And and they'll say some rude arm thing. And then they get blown away that I'm offended by it. Um, Those ones are always rough because they think they're being friendly and helpful. But it's like, I'm still a person. (laughs) You know, I'm still a human being. Like, A lot of the stories I tell on stage about having a disability, they originally started as an interaction I had that pissed me off. You know, it'll be a situation where a kid ran up to me and said something horrible, or you know, I'm going through a drive through and somebody won't just hand me my food and they're making it very awkward and making it a big ordeal because I have this, like those things hurt my feelings when it actually happens in that moment. But then once I get away from it, I'm like, okay fuck these people. Now I'm going to make this funny. You know, I figured out But in that moment, I'm mad. That's where those things come from. I'm angry. Right. I'm hurt, you know. And those people don't understand it because they're like, oh, he's a comedian. He finds, you know, laughter and everything. So he'll come up and be like, yeah, you got weird ass arms, bro. And you're just like, dude, I'm having dinner with my wife. Like, go, <laughs> you know, like, stop. It, it, that, those, are, those are kind of the worst experiences I have. And it's part of being a comedian with a disability. You just have to deal with people who don't know that you're not always on.
2: Right now, speaking of your wife, um, you know you're having some of these very low percentage uh, bad interactions with certain people. How does your wife react to that? Does she just let you handle it, or does she ever speak up on your behalf or anything?
3: Generally speaking, she just lets me deal with it. Um, I'm uh, I'm way more the extrovert in that regard. Um, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I always like to clarify, I'm not a sociopath. So every time somebody says something rude to me, I don't immediately snap. I don't make a big, yeah, you, you gotta pick your battles. Sometimes if, if somebody's offering to carry my tray for me at a restaurant that I didn't ask, it's coming from a sweet place. I don't really need to embarrass them. Right. Even if I, even if I'd rather they don't do that, they don't need to be destroyed for that, you know? so so she she usually you know defers to me she doesn't want to make you know i i have a bit of a temper when i really get riled up (laughs) with stuff like that so so she'd rather not poke the bear but um you know you know my my wife like she's she's she'll be very upfront with it though like if she sees someone staring she's not going to go start a fight but you know if somebody says something like we had an incident um at costco last year where we were just shopping around and one of the people who was doing like the samples or whatever kind of was talking to her by herself because I was just like an aisle or so over and was basically telling her what a wonderful person she was for like, for essentially, you know, lowering herself to marry somebody with a disability.
2: Isn't that uh, that crazy also? Like people think they're giving you compliments. Like, oh, you're so sweet for being with that, a crippled dude, like that's that. That's almost as a big, like, bigger insult than it is just to come up with a crippled guy and say, fuck you for being crippled.
3: Yeah, I would rather have that because that guy thinks he's doing nothing wrong. And I, and I made a video about it, and the video was tongue-in-cheek, but eventually I made this video. I was like, yeah, yeah, my wife, you know, she's really slumming it. You know, I have a cool job. I've been on TV several times. I make six figures a year. I'm super popular. But yeah, she's, she's slumming it by dating me. She would actually be slumming it if she was dating you, the guy who's selling samples at Costco. It was a tongue in cheek thing. And so many people were like, oh, now you're shaming people that work at Costco. That's even worse. It's like you idiot, like you don't even understand it. Like like that, that that's how people prove they've ne- never been close to anyone that has a disability to understand how insulting that is. Um. You know, you know, we have fun with it, but but that kind of stuff sucks. You know, like like my my wife's not you know my wife's not trying to you know get charity points so she can go to heaven. My wife loves me. (laughs) You know, like we have fun.
2: Six 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 figures a year. Your wife don't want to go anywhere else than on your. Yeah,
3: yeah. I'm. We're we're both doing fine. You know, like we we have a good thing going, and and that's not me. I I'm I'm hoping that doesn't come across as me bragging. I'm not trying to be the guy who's like, look how much money I make, but like. I'm good at my job and I've worked really hard to do this and I get compensated for it. Like I do well, you know, so it's like she's not, you know, and, and my wife's not, you know, she's not like a gold digger. It's nothing like that. But like I bring a lot to the table. I am fun to be around. I have a good job. People like me. <laughs> you know, I I get along with everybody. Great. I i am a catch. <laughs> And the fact that someone would be like yeah but i mean you do have those weird
2: ass arms so
3: that's got to be you know it's just like shut up man like we're happy go away you know,
2: gonna get really acquainted with these weird ass arms <laughs> you don't shut the fuck up
3: exactly and everyone's gonna know the three-fingered handprint was me so there's gonna be no <laughs> no question who came through yeah. here
2: it wasn't danny devito's penguin it was ryan
3: <laughs> it was this guy right here
2: um so let's talk for a minute about your comedy routine. You said you travel all over the country. Correct. Do you ever, do you recycle any jokes? Do you tell the same stories or do you try to come up with a new bit every show? Or how is, how do you do that? Uh, I, I
3: mean, any any comic that could ever do a new, brand new show every night is insane. Like that doesn't right. really, that, 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 that person's not a comic, they do improv. That's much different, <laughs> you know? Right. So, you know, it, p- part of what you do is, is because a good joke, you kind of, you have to work it and you have to try it many, many times in front of many, many audiences. Because sometimes you might say something and that crowd was just really hot and whatever reason they love that bit. Because I've had that before. I'll, I'll tell a joke for the first time, it crushes, and then I never get a laugh or I barely get a laugh for it every other time I try it. I'm like, right. and, I, and I've also had times where the first time I try a joke, it's awful. Just crickets. And then I work it a few times and I'm like, oh, I figured it out. Now it's this. So, right. you know, w- w- when you're on the road, um, you know, at least for me, I- I'm always doing a little bit new just because it keeps it fresh for me. Um, I personally don't want to do the exact same show, you know, 300 times a year. That would drive me insane just right. as an art, you know, as a person. I'm I'm it's tired of it.
2: Wouldn't come, it wouldn't come out <laughs> as genuine and like you're enjoying saying the words because you'd be a little frustrated with. And, and fed up with the same, same old thing that you're saying over and exactly, over. Exactly,
3: exactly. That's precisely it. Um, so you know, a, any given time, and, and I, the, the act, it, it's a, it, it's a, it's a fluid thing. It's not always, you know, it's not static. Sometimes I'll, I'll get to a show, and I started doing this relatively early in my career, where I'll have a basic idea in my head. I've written these jokes. I like these jokes. I'll have it all kind of laid out. And I'm like, okay, here's the plan that I have tonight. And then you get to the show and the audience energy is weird where that plan doesn't work. You know, like, like sometimes, for instance, I'll have this idea. Maybe I want to talk about, you know, do some jokes about how dating was hard for me. Or, you know, now that I'm married, here's some kind of newlywed stuff. Mm-hmm. And I might be in a really rowdy crowd who doesn't want to hear bits about, oh, my wife and all that kind of stuff. They, right. want, they, they want to hear you tell dirty jokes and they want to kind of be abused a little bit. So you kind of have to shift that gear and be like, okay, would I rather be working on this stuff? Sure. But I'm not going to be successful tonight if I do that. So now right. I'm going to go after these motherfuckers. And mm-hmm. then it becomes a good show because that's what they wanted. They kind of wanted that abuse a little bit. So every night it's different because it's, you know, it's live theater, essentially. It's never going to be the exact same show. Cause you can't ever, someone might've had too much to drink. And now that's a thing <laughs> that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. But for me, you know, if you saw me two nights in a row, I can't promise you you're getting a brand new show, but it's not going to be the exact same show either. Yeah. I, I always sure. recommend that. Cause I have some super fans who are like, I'm going to come back and see you tomorrow. And I always, I was I'm always honest with them. Like I'm going to be doing a lot of the same stuff. I just want to let you know that I don't want, you know I, i'm happy to take your money but i would feel bad if you if you came in here expecting a brand new thing yeah it's just not how comedy works you know
2: yeah of course now i i hesitate to ask you this next question because i was thinking in my head he might not want to answer this one but i'll ask it we'll anyway see. we'll see is there any towns or any promoters or any places that you just don't like to work for? It was a little, little, uh, eh, I would rather prefer not to go back there for whatever um, Uh, the, the way I always look at it,
3: uh, and and I'm going to tell you now, I'm not naming names. That's of course, just, that, that is not a smart thing. Of but, course. But, but, you know, I, I think with any job, you know, and, and I have a cool job that lets me do a lot of cool stuff and I get to go a lot of cool places there are certain weekends where it's just a day at the office and it doesn't mean they're going to be bad shows, but there there are certain comedy clubs and certain venues that treat you like your cattle, essentially. Like, like, like you, you are just an employee of their club. They don't care that you're there. They don't care that that's you specifically. You're just the person that's there. They're going to do the bare minimum. You know, they're never, you're usually not like outwardly rude or anything like that. But you're just there. So sometimes it's just, a, you know, you're just punching the clock. You know, not every show. There's an old joke, and I can't remember. It might have been Daniel Tosh, but I always love this little line where it's like, but they're not all Carnegie Hall. And that's true. You know, like, not not every every set you do is sold out Madison Square Garden. Not every set that I do is being in front of millions of people live on America's Got Talent. You know, those those are fun shows because everyone's excited that you're there. They're right. not all that. Sometimes you're just punching the clock and there's other places, you know, that I I will continue to go back as long as they'll have me because they treat you so well. The audiences are hot. Like, like those, I will name names, like wise guys in Salt Lake city, for instance, those are the one of some of the best comedy crowds in the entire country. And that surprised me initially at first too, you would not think Utah would be packed with, you know, great comedy crowds but they mm. blow me away every time I'm there. I have so much fun performing there each and every time. Um, and then and there's certain places you go and, and you're just not their cup of tea or it's just a weird venue, you know? And you just kind of go, okay, well, it is what it is. I'm still getting paid. I could be doing a lot worse. I could be working at a factory. I could you know be working at a call center. I could yeah. be doing a billion other jobs that I personally would hate. So, I mean, hey, it's you- not too bad.
2: You could be working as a tele a teleprompter scammer and uh, downloading malware on people's computers. <laughs> exactly. There are so many
3: worse things I could be doing. You know, I-, I even had that mentality, like, uh, you know, when the pandemic really kicked off and everything was closed down, like obviously all my live performance work went away instantly. And yeah. so there was a lot of Zoom comedy shows. It was doing stuff like this and our Zoom comedy shows the way that anyone wants to do comedy god no of course not (laughs) that is not no 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 but if you have the choice nobody's picking zoom right but but it was what we had so i kind of was like let's have some fun with this because i'm still getting to do a cool job like at the end of the day my job is ridiculous i get paid to tell dick jokes you know that that's essentially what it is you know so it's like how mad can i be of like oh it's on zoom or oh this crowd's right shut up every th- sometimes you just have a weird night you leave it there you go to the next one it's f- still fine it, it beats the alternative for me for sure
2: maybe during the beginning of the pandemic maybe you should have got yourself an only fans and just because there probably would have been a market for that. <laughs> oh 100
3: those devotees can pop out of nowhere <laughs> uh, I, I I do a joke sometimes on stage where it's like, uh, yeah, if you want to see that content, you know, go to my OnlyFans. I'm like, all right, don't judge me. All right, but there was a long pandemic. We had to do what We did. Um, but for me, I was smart with my OnlyFans. I wore a mask, so no one knew it was me.
2: Yeah. Hey, real quick, some of my, someone in our chat would like you to tell us your best dick joke, Mike. Stay on top of the comments, for Christ's sakes.
3: <laughs> my best dick. Uh-huh. Oh man, I, I like.
2: Or whatever well, I, you feel comfortable telling us for free. How I think that's a better way of putting
3: I, it. I, I said, let, let me let me think on that as it goes. Because okay. uh, I, I just sort of use that as the generic term. because okay. like, Comedians do dick and fart jokes. Like, that's essentially what we're doing. Uh, I, I learned that very early in the pandemic. That was the weirdest thing from, like, because I did America's Got Talent in 2019. So I had, like, six months of where things had never been better in my career up until the shutdown. Mm-hmm. And, man... Come March, 2020, being told how non-essential you are. (laughs) I was like, man, maybe I should have learned a real skill instead of just talking about masturbating so much.
2: Yeah, maybe I should have (laughs) fucked up people's (laughs) bank account numbers.
3: (laughs) Exactly.
2: While you're thinking about that for free dick joke, I did want to dive into something else that you quickly said. Uh, Let's talk about devotees for just a minute here. Certainly. Because I think the general idea is that if you're disabled you would want a devotee and i'll give you my quick opinion about this i don't think a devotee is the best type of partner to go after because it's not you the human that they're turned on by or intimately interested in it's more often than not your disability
3: right i i i guess it depends on what your priority is at the time if you're looking for like a deep meaningful possibly spend my life with this person kind of relationship then yeah a devotee is not going to be it because you're a fetish at that point you know yeah if you're okay with just if you're just wanting to bang hey i'm not here i'm very sex positive i will never judge anybody for what they what they're into or what they do if everything's consensual and cool and somebody just wants you for your disability and you get to have a little fun out of it too by all means, every no one's hurt in that case. Have a good time. Right. Right. You know, but I, I, I've been fortunate, uh, and, and you know, fortunate, I guess, is is relative here. Um, you know, a, a, as a dude, I didn't have to deal with as much creepiness with that. Um I I have a lot of, you know, my women friends who have like limb differences, and some of the stories they've told me about you know the creepy dudes who are you know going heavy with the devotee stuff on them like it, it it's brutal man it, it's brutal like uh you know it, it's like the same way when people are like oh you you probably want that right that'd be so cool it's like well we'll say that to like you know find that find an asian woman and ask her if she loves that dudes want to bang her just because she's asian you know you know yeah. like, like 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 ask her how excited she is About that, you know, or or, like, I mean, I've had friends, you know, that are like black women who have like had dudes ask her like, "Hey, I've never banged a black chick. You wanna?" Like, "Oh yeah, I feel, I feel amazing. Oh yeah, I I feel like a like a wonderful, well respected person that Mm -hmm. I can knock that bucket list item off your (laughs) off your checklist there."
2: Exactly.
3: You know, I I I didn't have to deal with it much, but like, there was a little worry, I guess, in my head. You always kind of have it in the back of your head because. You know, you, 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 get, you get your confidence screwed up sometimes so much that maybe you doubt why anyone would actually want to date you with a disability. So that when someone genuine comes along, you have this thought a little bit in the back of your head, like, okay, is this just a weird fetish thing for them? Like, what's the deal? I, you know, I, I had that problem a little bit, you know, once I started getting, you know, more successful in comedy, you have to have it in the back of your head. Is it like, okay, do they like me or do they like that I've been on TV? You know, do they like that yeah. I have this cool job? Do they like that yeah. I, you know, I, I hang out with really cool people? Is is that what's important to them, or do they actually like me? Um, right. You have to figure that in a little bit. And with a dis, it's already hard enough having a disability, and then also having to like question people's motives <laughs> can be right. really—it's it, exhausting sometimes.
2: Yeah, that's that's a great point to make, man. Like I. Uh, Like you said, you just got to put all your cards on the table, both of you, you know, both parties involved. And like you said, if both people are just looking for some sexy time or a short-term partnership, then yeah, devotees are, it's not a bad thing. But you just, you can't fall into a situation where you're expecting, like you put it, it's just, you got to figure it out. Exactly. Um, Yeah, definitely. Now, God, because I've been waiting forever to get into this. I keep looking in your background. Sure. Or, I, I, unless there's anything else you want to cover about serious topics, you want to talk
3: uh, to Hey, you, you talk to me about anything you want. I, I am here for you guys.
2: Oh, well, thank you. I I, I, I,
3: you. I, I I am being a devotee to you guys right now. Whatever <laughs> you guys you. need, I'm happy to do it.
2: That doesn't mean you're not gonna send me a dick pic or anything, right? You know what? That really depends on how the last 20 or 30 minutes of this goes, my friend. (laughs) You play your cards right. All (laughs) right. I'll use a higher pitch tone in my voice for you just to get your nipples hard. How about that? I (laughs) appreciate it. Thank you. Now let's talk about that video game collection. Let's let's talk, let's go back to your childhood a little bit and talk about the beginning of your love for video game games and how it probably was responsible for a lot of your happiness growing up. I I would say a big chunk.
3: Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I, I wasn't this type of collector as a kid, you know, this is all, th- th- this is part of the joys of becoming an adult with some expendable income. That's what makes that happen. Um, so, so kind of a little more background about me growing up. Um, we grew up really poor, so there was uh sub- <laughs> supportive dick pics. Hell Yeah. <laughs>
2: It's just a dick pic to cheer, up, cheer you up. That's che- not a sexual well, thing. Just- that, that is our good buddy, Gerilyn. She just won some supportive dick pics because her husband is lacking in that department. I'm wait, sure. wait. Fair oh. enough. Fair.
0: Okay, you know what? Before you continue,
3: I have to... Uh, I'm going back in the comments here for a little bit. Now,
2: Aaron fucking censored a comment, and I don't appreciate that one bit. He censored a comment? Yeah, look, watch, watch. Look, I put it up it says "fuck hecklers Oh yeah. you don't have the balls to do what you do but he put the fucking um, pound sign you know and didn't you know censored "fuck." i don't appreciate that aaron
3: yeah that, that, that's it. always a weird thing i i i joke around um so my buddy uh cory ryan forrester who's a super funny comedian um he's kind of he's part of a group called the well-read comedy tour and their whole kind of thing is they're very liberal rednecks. So they grew up in like Georgia, but they're very Mm -hmm. liberal. So they do a lot of liberal comedy and and I'm not a political guy. So this isn't me commentating on anything there, but Mm -hmm. they they do a lot of like, you know, he's got this big, you know, he grew up in North Georgia. He's got a very Georgia Southern drawl voice and he talks about liberal shit and he's just very, and it's always so funny. We laugh every time because he gets sent like these death threat messages so it'll literally be like people like I'm gonna fucking come and kill you, but they'll like censor fucking, and I'm like, so you'll murder him, but you don't want God to see that you cursed because that would be bad. It's the right. funniest thing in the world to us.
2: Oh, well, God doesn't check social media according to the liberals. So
3: apparently, see there we go. Yeah, God damn it, Aaron.
2: <laughs> now you, my apologies because that did remind me that one last question I wanted to ask before we got into the video game topic, and that oh, is. Sure. Have you ever had a comedy bit where you thought back on and like, eh, maybe I should have pulled back just a little bit? Or did you ever have a comedy club owner tell you, it's, talk to you, of anything about your routine or anything? Uh, so, so I've had to do some some self editing, uh, just because. And
3: it's one of those things um, th- this is probably a much deeper co- uh, topic, so I'll kind of keep this part of it brief. Um, I fully believe that cancel culture is not a real thing. As far as comedy goes, um, times just change. That's all it is. And you have to have the self-awareness to know that. Things Now, I think it's unfair to a comedian if somebody digs up a joke that you did 20 years ago when society was different. If you haven't done that joke, if you did that joke 20 minutes ago, yeah, you're a dick and you deserve whatever you get. If you did it 20 years ago and then you've changed and went, yeah, I don't want to talk about that kind of stuff anymore, then, you don't do it. I don't think you need to be canceled for 20 years ago. But if you say dickish things now, you deserve whatever comes to you. I I don't have sympathy for somebody who, you know, a white comic who gets caught saying the N word yesterday. You deserve whatever happens to you. I don't care if it was a joke. You know, you're not supposed to, you can't do that. Things have changed. You know, Mm. don't punt. you know it's it's ridiculous like comedy is it's hard but it's a lot easier than people think to not not be offensive just don't punch down that's it and every joke you tell needs to be 51% funny it has to be more funny than it is offensive you can you can do dark jokes and you can do some things that are like social commentary that might be offensive or piss some people off but it always has to be funnier than it was offensive otherwise it's just a bad joke and you're a dick that's all there is to it. Um,
1: so,
2: I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: You had more
3: oh, I, I, I was going to say, the only issues I've ever had with, uh, and this is before, um, you know, AGT, is I would have, you know, I, I've literally had situations where I like, I would like showcase at a comedy club to try to get work. And they give you like 10, 15 minutes. And, and I would do a lot of arm stuff. I would do stuff because nobody knew who I was. So you kind of have to address it. Um, and I would crush I would get, you know, a great reaction, like a partial standing ovation, everybody loved me. And then the then the comedy club owner would be like, "Yeah, I don't think your type of humor is what people are looking for here." And you'd be like, "Yeah, you don't want me to do, you know, you you think people are going to be mad about disabled jokes, but I just got a standing ovation. What the hell are you talking about?" Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't think I'm funny, that's one thing. Everybody has their own personal comedy taste and that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. But if the audience liked it, who gives a shit? You know, like I always use this. I don't know him personally, but I don't think Larry the Cable guy is funny for me. He does not tickle my funny bone.
2: I don't think it's he's funny either.
3: But that dude sells out arenas. Who am I to tell him he's doing it wrong? It's just not for me. <laughs> you know, if I had a chance to promote a show that he was doing, hell yeah, I would do it. I would not put on my like, oh, I'm an artist. I don't think that this is very, screw that. He makes money. People want to see him yeah maybe uh, maybe my opinion is just what it is i would have issues with that a lot and then the funny thing was as soon as i got on america's got talent weirdly some of those promoters were like oh you're great man we love you you want to come you know you want to come perform now and i'm like yeah sure here's my
2: price so uh, there was a point you made a couple just a couple of minutes ago and i wanted to just backtrack just a tiny bit um you basically said that, you know, we live in a day and age where you you have to, if you're planning on making money, you have to self-censor just a tiny bit. Sure. Um, what is your opinion? Of, okay, we'll get to that question in a, in
3: a second, yeah.
2: In, in a second, Nick. Um, what is your opinion then on big-time comedians that have no censorship, such as Dave Chappelle? Because, you know, he is not only going out there and making jokes about his own race, but he's, you know, coming down on transgenders. He probably has or eventually will come down on cripples, And he gets a hell of a Netflix deal. Do you believe that he should start censoring himself or do you think he should continue to go steamroll the way he's been? See, he, he is one of
3: the examples that I use of why cancel culture isn't actually a thing in stand-up comedy. It just, it just isn't because like, you know, in, in all fairness, I don't, I don't know Dave, I don't know Chappelle at all. Um, his, his early specials, I think are some of the best comedy that's ever been done and recorded. I think Chappelle is brilliant. Me too. Um, him doing these specials though, where he's like, you know, going against transgender people and things along those lines and then whining about being canceled, like, like again, I, I think anything can be joked about, but you have to be funnier than you are offensive. I, I strongly believe that. I don't think a topic, sure. you know, cause, cause I've had people tell me, me personally, that I shouldn't make handicap jokes because they have a kid that has a disability. And because they haven't come to terms with it, I shouldn't tell my jokes now because that offends them. That's different, you know, but Chappelle, he had this whole controversy. He has these Netflix specials where he's just going off On transgender people. And then he's telling people how he's being canceled in front of 20,000 people at a sold out arena. Like, you're not being canceled. Like, I think comedians either, either he's trying, he's playing us all and he's just using that angle to make more money, which I, I believe is fully possible. Or comedians in general have become so soft that we now think criticism is cancellation.
2: Right. Which
3: is totally different. I don't think, you know, outside of a few like really crazy whack jobs who actually want Dave Chappelle to never work again, I think the general consensus, even the people that were pissed off what he said, nobody wanted him to not be a comedian anymore. They just wanted him to do better. So that's not cancellation. You're just being criticized because somebody didn't like a thing you did. They right. thought it was a shitty special compared to your other stuff. I, 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 The parts that I watched, I wasn't impressed by. Like I said, I think he's one of the most brilliant, if not the most brilliant comedian ever. I was more disappointed because I'm like you're better than this you're're you're, you're a great comedic mind this is low-hanging fruit nonsense what do you what, what are you doing um but do I think that he should have to censor himself not really I just want I just want it to be funny yeah I I think you can joke about like his problem was he's punching down he's not like I, I think a com- you don't have to be transgender to make transgender jokes the same way you don't have to be crippled to make cripple jokes just don't punch down. That's so it.
2: Is, it, yeah, do you, is your opinion the same for it, You don't have to be black to make black jokes. Correct.
3: Yeah. Like, like I, I think there's language that you don't have the right to say, <laughs> you know, I, I think that's a totally different thing, but being a white guy, you're allowed to talk about race. You're not because you're, a, you know, it affects you as well. Just don't punch down. If your comedy is white people are better than black people, that's shitty comedy. Those, I, I, I think, I think people should, I, the way I, I guess the way I can kind of describe it, I think people should be allowed, even if that is their their, even if it's white people are better than black people, they should be allowed to say that. But everyone else should be allowed to tell them they're fucking idiots and not book them and not pay yeah. money to see them. You're, yeah. you're not, you're not You're you're you have no entitlement to get to do this job.
2: I can I'm not going to say it the the exact perfect way that other people say it but it's like the old saying like you can talk about joke about give opinions about whatever you want you just have to be prepared for the consequences in return.
3: Yep, yeah, yeah. Um, what, what, what's the old saying it, it it's it's freedom of speech not freedom from consequence.
2: Yes, you you and can it, say it never, whatever
3: whatever you want. But if everybody hates you for it and now doesn't want and you get fired for it, you lose a special, you lose a thing. It, it's just part of it yeah, front less than we've heard lately yeah but i mean roseanne's insane and and she's also rough to work with she i I've not heard a single good thing about working with her and again it's one of those things uh some people some people who say horrible things and lose a little work you also have to be easy to work with in this business like 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 for me exam for example if i would make a joke that you know, got this, like, you know, w- trended on Twitter for being super offensive. And I kind of realized, oh, shit, I said something horrible. I have a really good reputation at being really easy to work with in comedy. People would come to my aid. I think people would have my back and, and not necessarily defend what I said, but they'd be like, he made a mistake. We know he's a good dude. He fucked up. But, hey, I would get to work some more. If you're a piece of shit and then you say something horrible, why would anyone defend you like you're also difficult to be around so uh, again i don't know roseanne that is always kind of the uh the what i've heard about her is she's very difficult to work with anyway so she doesn't get the benefit of the doubt i guess you're like but again even if that's not the case no one's entitled to give you comedy work i'm not entitled to get to headline 42 or, or 52 weekends a year I'm not entitled to Netflix special because I work hard. Like, that's not how it works. If somebody decides they don't want to ever book me again, I guess I'll go get a different job.
2: Right. Um. Real quick, I, we'll go back to what Nick Myers asked. Uh, he wanted to know who was the who was the most famous person in your cell phone. Why? If you feel like answering that question, you can If not... Well, well,
3: I, I can say, because I've told the stories before, uh, it's Chris Jericho. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, Chris Jericho's a good buddy of mine now. So on uh, America's Got Talent, when you make the finals, you get to do, um, you do like a celebrity duet kind of thing, like a duo performance. So usually if it's a singer, they bring in a famous singer and they sing a song together. With comedy, you can't really do that. You can't like, I can't like do a duet with Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't work that way. Um, but I, I had done a lot of pro wrestling kind of themed stuff throughout the show. So, you know, the Purple Threat, I made note that that was gonna be my pro wrestling name. I call my fan base Club Nub. You know, I, w- I was doing pro wrestling stuff. All of my like live entrances I'm doing, you know, I was doing like Rey Mysterio entrances. I, w- I was doing basically pro wrestling. So I did the skit with Chris Jericho that was really fun to do. We hit it off really well. It was funny. I thought it was been great. It, w- it was a cool thing. And I was like, okay, cool. That was a great moment I got to do. Awesome. Um, and then fast forward a couple months um he lives down in Tampa now and I was doing some shows in Tampa over Thanksgiving weekend and this was 2019 and he saw that I was going to be down there and he, he hit me up he sent me he just sent me a, a message real fast he's like hey you do anything for Thanksgiving and I was like I'm just here for the shows you know I have a show Wednesday and then off Thursday it's like are right you're coming to my house so I had Thanksgiving at Chris Jericho's house, and uh, and we've just been buddies ever since. He's a he's that's a really a, good dude. That's um, awesome. I got I got to do his cruise last year. Uh, I was on the really? I was one of the performers on the cruise. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Chris, a good I, dude. And, I, and the reason,
2: I, I, go ahead. Aside, I was
3: gonna say one of the reasons I love Chris too, and and this is how I judge people a lot of times because like Chris is successful, and I don't care what people think about wrestling or think about him specifically or whatever. He's really successful in his field. He's successful in music. He's, he's a big, he's a, he's a star. He does not have to talk to me. I would not take, I would not take personal offense, you know, but he's in a higher bracket of celebrity than I am. If I would text Chris right now, within an hour, I would get something back. He'd be like, Hey dude, like he's a good down to earth guy. Like if he likes you, he likes you. He's going to be your friend. He's got your back. So I judge people that way. Cause I, cause I've had comedians I've started with, and I'm not going to name names here. Com- comedians I started with who we did open mics together we would drive to shows together who hit it big and now don't respond to anything they don't have time mm-hmm. for me anymore you know so yeah. that's how that's how I judge a person I don't I'm glad they're successful but man I don't need anything from you I'm in the business too I'm already doing okay
2: yeah, yeah. Jericho I mean he's always you could always tell that Jericho is very open-minded about the handicapped community he's talked about it before yeah um, yeah, he,
3: yeah, he's a good dude. And, and one of my other best friends is Brad Williams, who's a a, a dwarf. And we both really? did the cruise. And we, uh-huh. and we, you know, like, and, and it's great. You know, like, he's... Jericho, Jer- like Jericho's the type of person I like because, like... It, and I know it's silly. It's almost like the equivalent of, like, I don't see color, you know, when people say that kind of nonsense. But, like, Jericho doesn't ignore the fact that I have a disability. He just doesn't give a shit. You know, like, like the way he kind of looks at it is, like, Man, if you're a good dude who's a fun hang, I don't give a shit what you are, man. Just come hang out. Just just don't be a dick. And I that's kind of how I try to live my life, too.
2: I thought I heard him say in the past that he used to be friends with uh, one of those famous actors that died. Was it Christopher Reeves or was one of them? Um, and that's when it hit me. I was like, man, he he doesn't judge people for their disabilities.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the way I look at it. Just, just don't be a dick, man. That's the way I look at it. Like, I don't, I don't care what you do. I don't care what you believe. Just don't be a jerk about
2: it and just be cool. Was it not difficult to get on his cruise? Cause I've, I got friends who go to his cruise every year and they said it's not handicap accessible.
3: Uh part of that's like just the cruise line itself i don't think it's something he's doing <laughs> you know i don't I, I don't think he's like down with ramps no, no I ramp. with
2: that's <laughs> not what i'm
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah he's not doing it uh uh I mean, I mean for me it was fine uh the only issue i had is those bathrooms are really small
2: wow. uh
3: and, and, and not to get too tmi this might not be a dick joke but i will describe uh, Do it. What, TMI what, I'm, is what we're about uh, when I'm doing my business, because my arms are so short, I need to make a much wider base to be able to reach all of my various dirty parts at that point. And, and
2: those- um to be dirty? I, I mean, when you're, mm-hmm. if you're sitting on the toilet, they're going to be dirty. But they <laughs> so wasn't I'm dirty. Like, your, your balls wasn't dirty before you sat on the toilet. I'm talking
0: but you- past <laughs> the balls.
3: Oh, oh. I'm, I'm
2: shitting, Cody. And
3: okay. I'm trying not to saying, I'm shitting in this instance. It,
0: why else would he sit on the toilet That's- I, was, oh, okay. I
3: was i was trying to be flowery here i was okay. trying you know, we, 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 right. have, um, we we might have some sensitive ears listening to us right now i was just trying they to be can, accommodating to that they can flush um, down the toilet if they don't like <laughs> exactly but, but but essentially again not to be to give you guys too much of an image i just have to i, I need a much wider base because i have to reach further you know to do just about hmm. anything including that and those crews those little rooms those bathrooms are not accommodating to that. It, it just became a either I don't shit for four days or I just shower immediately after one
2: or the other. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, your disability is different than mine, but it, it's like that whenever I go anywhere else in my own home. It's like I almost have to fast the day before so I don't have to go to the bathroom too much at all. Yeah, you know, uh, so w- w- when I'm flying to to go to gigs and stuff,
3: I can't do my business. You know, I, I can I can piss in the uh, in the airport or in the airplane bathrooms, but anything else I can't. So I, I kind of have to time like, okay, don't eat. Okay, well, nope. I know that now, Geraldine. I know that now. I didn't know that coming in. Right, <laughs> I know that now.
2: Um, uh, me and my uh, yeah. buddy, a, a buddy and I just went to an AEW event in Cleveland here just uh, at the end of January and. You know we were it's they do a four or five hour show yeah. you know you get your fucking money's worth at an aew show compared to bullshit wwe shows you know they they record uh dynamite rampage uh uh and sometimes dark and elevation and so you're there for four or five hours and halfway through my buddy asked me he said what don't you have to go to the bathroom or anything mm-hmm. i was like dude i prepared like i yeah. I didn't drink much this morning. I didn't drink much last night. Like, I'm good until I get home. And that's, yeah, with my disability, that's how it's got to be.
3: Yeah, and, and that's, I think, an interesting thing that people don't always understand about people with disabilities is, like, you you learn those things just from existence. Uh, I, I'm sure you learn that after having one too many bad experience where you didn't plan ahead. And mm-hmm. you're like, well, shit, this is what's that I-, I-, I learned that the-, the first time I flew, I wore jeans and you have to take your belt off and stuff like that. And for me to put my belt on, I have to take my jeans off, run it through first, mm-hmm. I can't I can't reach enough to do it while I'm wearing the pants. So like as I'm trying to find an open, disgusting stall at the airport. To then take my pants off so I could run my belt back through. I went, Oh, I'm wearing sweatpants from now on <laughs> when I fly. Mm-hmm. You 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 just learn to accommodate, and, and it's stuff that like nobody would ever have asked that. Like, like my 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 wife, um, you know, she travels with me sometimes. And the first time we traveled together, or even when I would just like be packing to go on like a weekend trip to work, she'd be like, You're gonna wear sweatpants to the to the airport. And I was like, yeah, for this, this, this reason. And she's like, oh, okay. I would have never thought about that. Not everybody, like we we, we figure it out on our own a lot of times because there's no manual. And even between you and me, we might both get the parking but our disabilities are very different, <laughs> you know? So what we need to do is, you know, things that you have to do, I don't gotta worry about. Probably some things that I gotta worry about, you don't gotta worry about. So it's right. like, and, and and that's why I think sometimes it can be so hard you know, to get people to treat disabilities seriously or, you know, acknowledge stuff because there's such a wide variety. You know, when when someone says disabilities, what does that mean? You know, for, for you, it might be van accessibility. You know, for me,
2: it's fuck, I can't wear jeans to the airport. You know, it's, you know, it's things like that. So I think almost all physically disabled people can agree, however, that sweatpants are the pants of our people.
3: Yes, that is very true. I mean, that's, that's all I wore through high school. I was sweatpants kid. I I, yeah. it. I made it work for me.
2: Aaron, if you're still with us, whip me up a meme. Something about sweatpants and crippled. That'd be really funny. <laughs> Um. Real quick, I just remembered my thought from earlier when I went to Nick Myers' question that lost me for a second there. Sure. Um. Do you think we should set down a, a few Generation Z people and have them ma- watch the uh, Kentucky Fried movie, see how they react to all that? I honestly have never seen that. Oh, it's I, got some. It's got some racist ass <laughs> shit in it.
3: I. I, and, I, I Okay, is it the kind of stuff where I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it and, and think it's funny because it's so ignorant, or is it just gonna piss me off? Maybe uh-huh. because because that's a distinction. There's there's some stuff that's just offensive, and some stuff that it's so bad you make fun of those idiots for making it. I don't want to be mad. I, I I try to fill my my uh, my free time not getting pissed off about things.
2: I would honestly say. It, it's probably pretty outdated by this point it was directed by john mandis and you know okay. i can wear with a london guy right he, he did that stuff mm-hmm. um but yeah there's a couple of segments in there that's so lowbrow and so like you have to be a specific type of person to find it fun i'm not afraid to admit to me the the more offensive humor can be is my type of uh, cup of tea um but you're right everybody has their own cup of tea of what uh they find funny and what they don't find funny and i don't ever tell any of my friends or my acquaintances hey you should find this funny or anything like that you know what i mean um i just remembered one other thought i wanted to throw by you and damn it i wish i remembered his name but what was it about four or five months ago that country singer got filmed on his own property saying some racist shit to his buddies out of, out of fun. They were having some fun or something. And then it was found out that his sales for his audio, his CDs and his albums, all that went jumped up 500%, you know, uh, and everyone wanted, to, and it just made me think of that when you were saying, you know, when you say terrible shit, it's it, what matters is if you have people support you and if you're a good person or a bad person and man, I agree with you that you got to if you if you plan on being successful, continuously successful, you do have to be mindful of the majority and yeah. where things are going to take you. But man, it blew my mind yeah. to find out that that guy's sales jumped up 500%. And then what the little idiot do, he said, he went on the news network and said, well, we're going to donate it to the best black community charity that we can find. And I'm over here thinking, motherfucker,
1: mm-hmm. take the money. Like, yeah, yeah.
2: Like, like, like I don't, I don't want your blood money. You know, I don't want.
3: That's essentially what it is. And see, that that's a situation. And um, you know, I, I, I personally, I, I said I wouldn't get too political, and, and I, I, I won't. You're not comfortable talking about. It. We no. can move on. No, no but the, the only thing I just want to say is, you know, as a general person, more of my personal thoughts lean left. I'm a very liberal guy. I support, you know, trans rights. I support, uh, you know, I. I, I I try to be on the side on the right side of history with that, but at the same time, I also think that a lot of people need to pick their battles more. Um, do, do I think that singer is a jackass because he jokes around using that language? One hundred percent, fuck him. I, I, I even if I was a country fan, I would never support him. I wouldn't buy anything personally. But that's how I think. In most cases, that is how you should handle stuff. It shouldn't be go on a crusade to meet him, not play music anymore. It should be don't buy his shit. That way he knows he fucked up and maybe he self-reflects. Now, in that case, a lot of people who probably legitimately agree with the things he was saying that just galvanized them. And they were like, I got to support. Well, he's like us. Yeah, fuck them. But...
2: I see in the chat someone just clarified he didn't even he didn't use the hard R version of that word. He used the lighthearted version. Oh, I, okay. Well, well,
3: well that, that's fine. That,
2: that. Well, from what I know, it wasn't even him trying to be mean towards anybody. I guess him and his buddies were drunk and fucking around in his own yard and on his own property. And I guess a neighbor from across the street filmed him as he was being a drunken fool. And they were calling each other the lighthearted version of that word now yeah. and and again i would never try to change your opinions or anything like that but to me it's like man okay i get it that dude's a celebrity but he's on his own property he's having fun and he's using the same word that so many other celebrities use in in order to gain more money and gain more where do you think the line where with that should be do you think that the, the, you know, rappers and people like that who use the lighthearted version of that word, do you think that they should be allowed that free card, but yet white rappers or white people should not be able to say it? The, I'm only talking about the lighthearted yeah version, not the yeah. hard.
3: 100%. Because, because language in, it means different things in different communities. You know, like, like, like the, I'm not going to say this is as intense as that, but if we're all sitting around and we're like yeah fuck cripples man they're so annoying <laughs> we kind of are allowed to say that because we're on that team mm-hmm. if i hear a bunch of like normal people like at dinner you know able-bodied people being like yeah fuck these cripples man they're taking up all our good parking yeah fuck them they don't get to say that shit. we can say it and joke around because we we have we live that life you know so i i i'm always a big this is the way that I always consider this stuff Um, for me personally. And and people can use this philosophy if they want, if they disagree with me, that's also fine. Um, But I, I use this for comedy, for instance, if I'm using language for a joke, if I would not use that language in front of the people I'm talking about, then I'm, then I'm racist or I'm sexist or I'm homophobic or whatever it might be. So, if, if, if someone is joking around saying the N word, but they wouldn't say that if there was black people present, fuck yourself, you're racist then. If it's something where I, I think every group of people gets to kind of make their own rules a little bit, you know, because I, I I know, you know, if, if there's some black people who are uncomfortable using that word, and that's fine, that's their right too, And there's some people that like to use it all the time. And that's also fine, because they get to make those rules. You know, I don't I don't get to tell them the right or wrong or whatever, because I'm not in that world. I wouldn't want anybody telling me what words they should be allowed to say about handicapped people. You don't get to tell me if you are if you don't live that life. So I, I always try to default to whatever group it is. If if some if most people from a certain group is telling me, yeah, don't say that word. I'm going to go ahead and just listen to them and assume I shouldn't say that word. You know, like I think it's just easier. Like they know better than me. I, I'm an idiot on a lot of stuff. If an expert tells me something, I'm going to listen to the expert, and that's kind of how I feel in that situation.
2: Right. Well, I'm really glad you were comfortable enough clarifying all that because I mean, you know, when I interview people, I want to ask questions that are deep down inside and what deep down inside some of our audience members might have. So I appreciate that you didn't mind uh, diving into that hard, yeah, hard topic a little bit. Now. Let's go ahead and get back to the lighthearted stuff. Sure. We started talking about video games. I want and then we deviated back to the other shit. Let's go ahead and full force just go ball yeah. deep into this video game thing. You were talking a little bit about your childhood. Tell us tell me a little bit about what some of your favorite video games are and what they meant to you, how much time you spent, all of that. Anything you wanna you wanna spew out about some video game talk. Certainly. Uh, so, so kind of like, like I was saying a little bit before, uh, we grew up really poor.
3: So my family, you know, we I'm, I'm from a, I'm an old trailer park kid. Uh, I didn't have my own bed until I was in college. Like that's the kind of poor we were. So um, we had, you know, uh, we had a few video games. My first console ever was the uh, the original NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System, um, and then we would have a couple games here and there, you know, at any given time. Um, I always love video games. Um, for me, it's the same reason I love pro wrestling. Like th- those two things kind of go hand in hand to me. They were an escape. So, exactly. so, so, so growing up and this is always hard to explain to people sometimes my, my disability, I'm not going to say it was like a non-factor, but it was not the most of my concerns. The biggest thing for me was my dad was an alcoholic and we were broke all the time. So like those things felt more volatile to me than having weird arms, truthfully. Um, So that's where like video games and wrestling came in. You know, there would be, you know, my, my dad was very verbally abusive. He was never physically abusive, but he was he was a very loud, insulting drunk. Like that was kind of his thing. Uh-huh. Um, So stuff like video games, when I was in those worlds, I wasn't dealing with like my dad being a dick or us not knowing if we're gonna get evicted or not, or, you know, things like that. Right. It was, I'm this little elf boy. In, in Hyrule <laughs> and I'm just running around, trying to collect items so I can defeat Ganon. Like I could kind of put myself in a different world. That's how I always saw wrestling too, r- r- wrestling. Like I love wrestling, but it is so by design, it's over the top and silly and a little hokey sometimes. Like it's not supposed to mimic real life. right? So that that that's why I always loved being in those worlds. I loved how over the top and just, you know, People could be, you know, people who look silly like me, like I, I would take a look at someone like Mankind, like Mick Foley, who kind of, you know, he's not traditionally attractive or muscular like, but like, oh, it's like, oh, that guy can be a hero. I can too. Um, so that's kind of how I always felt with video games as well, um, that it was just a, a matter of I could put myself in these worlds and, and just escape for a while. Um, and then as I got older, it became this, um, I had, ex- <laughs> I'm on the road a lot and bored. I like going to video game stores. It became this, um, but do you, play, do you play any current video games or do you stick with retro? Oh, I play current too. I have, uh, so I have, um, I think 26 different consoles, like unique consoles. Some of those I have duplicates of, uh, going from Atari all the way up to, uh, Xbox series X. Um, I think my total count, I have, I don't have an exact number. I'm kind of working on a list for that now, actually, but between physical and digital, I have well over 4,000 games. Um, I play, play just about anything. I'll, I'll give it a shot. (laughs) Um, does your wife play video games with you? A little bit. So my, my wife likes video games. So she grew up with three brothers. Um, she, she, she plays games. She likes certain stuff. She doesn't have the gamer stamina that i do i right. it, it's hard to explain like for her we can play an hour of like mario karts or something like that we have a really good time she enjoys it but after that she's like okay what else are we doing meanwhile some days i'll be on hour 16 <laughs> of some sort of like you know epic quest that i'm on and and, and she's very supportive like like th- th- this is not a burden to her she knew what she was getting into um i i think i threw her off a little bit so When we got back together and we were dating, uh, I was still living in Indiana. She lived out here in California. When we decided to move in together, when everything kind of shut down, um, I decided to, when I moved across the country, I told her I was bringing a U-Haul. And she assumed that meant for all my furniture. And the U-Haul was about 90% just my video game
0: collection, <laughs>
3: like, like, like that's all it was. Uh, I was like, I really don't have any furniture I care about. The only furniture I really brought is stuff that was associated with the video game collection. So like the shelving units, the you know, that type of stuff. Right. Uh, she she kind of went, if it makes you happy and yeah, you know, we, we have an agreement, we both make our own money. We have our collective stuff that we pull together. We're saving to buy a house. We always take care of bills. If you have extra money though, fuck it's your cash, man. Yeah. Just, you know, just like like don't be dumb. We we have the common courtesy. We ask each other, like, if we're making a bigger purchase, like, here's why I'm doing it, here's what it's gonna be. Set yeah. up, because we respect each other, but she's like, hey, have fun, do your thing.
2: Have you uh have you ever played the Max Payne video game? Because I see a couple of people talking about it in our chat. I'm taking it, was that on the original Xbox and or was um, not
3: I think when it first came out, the first Max Payne was the OG Xbox and like PS2. I think it was that. I haven't played them in years, but I have. I have. I think I played the original one back right. probably mid two thousands whenever what? it first came out.
2: Wasn't there some sort? Of, I re- I'm remembering. Did Fifty Cent come out with some sort of yeah. fucking video game? Oh yeah,
3: oh yeah. <laughs> and, and, and they're and they're actually pretty good. I think he had a couple. It was like Fifty Cent Blood in the Sands and one other one. They're actually really fun like like, like on on paper
2: you wouldn't think so but they're actually pretty decent um what else wacky video games i can think i was just thinking off the top of my head didn't burger king come out with a fucking video game for the nintendo
0: they have have three of them
3: they have three of them they have sneaking um there is uh like i think it's called like pocket bike racer or something like that and there's one other one yeah and they did really well. They were like a promotion, like you bought a whopper and you got to buy like the video game for three bucks or whatever. So it was like, oh, brand new video game for three dollars. Yeah, they they are not good, oh, but, I but 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 I think that's I think that's like that kind of stuff is fun to me. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I, I don't think anybody who was making sneaking yeah. was assuming it was gonna be right. you know. Breath of the Wild, mm. or you, anything like that.
2: Right. You I mean you look all the way back to the NES days and Mick Kids? So you remember that yeah. one? Oh yeah. And, and like that one was, it was just. I think that was another promotional deal that they did.
3: Yeah. So yeah, uh, Yo Noid. There was a freaking game about the Noid from Domino's. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Oh,
2: there was... yeah, I remember that one. Yep. Yeah, I'm that... sure there was also a a spot video game. The seven yep. other characters. Now yeah, the old cool spot. Yep. That's
3: fucking crazy. Yeah. And the way I, I, I have an affinity. I know like a lot of online personalities, like YouTubers, especially have made their living talking about like how bad certain video games are, you know, look at someone like angry video game nerd who is yeah. super successful, but like, that's this whole thing. It's shitting on bad games for me. Uh, and I'm this way with pro wrestling too. And, and I think it's sometimes unpopular. Cause um, I think you could probably agree with this as a wrestling fan. Um, I don't know if there's any fandom that hates what they love more than pro wrestling fans. Yeah, you know, you know, out of ten things that a wrestling fan's gonna say, nine of them are gonna be why something was fucking stupid. Well, it's never gonna be what they liked. Uh, I've I've always tried to go the opposite though when it comes to video games and wrestling because they're my hobbies. I'd rather find the fun in something, even if it is bad. I'd rather find the fun in it. Because at a certain point, if it's just making me angry, I'm going to do something else. I don't have the – right. My, my heart can't take it at well, that point.
2: I'll tell you how I dealt with that typical wrestling fandom. I stopped watching WWE entirely. I just watch AEW, and that's it.
3: Yeah, and, and it's one of those things like like for me personally, I still find a lot of enjoyment in WWE, even if it's not as good as it used to be in its peak. And, and I find some stuff in AEW that I don't like as much as other people do. But I, for me, that that should be a fun thing to do. Like yeah. that should be the fun part of it. We, we we should be able to have a conversation, like you know, a, a spirited debate. That's all in fun, though. That we're friends at the end of it. Yeah. I, I I always find that some people get mad. It's like, well, this this this. I can't believe you like this bullshit. It's like, man, you can like both things or you can dislike yeah. both things. Like, a, a, and me liking or not enjoying something you like does not. It shouldn't diminish your fun in it and i've always kind of tried to put that in perspective for me i know it's it's very popular to be an, uh, uh, an internet wrestling fan right now and shit on wwe i know that's kind of a popular thing to do and it doesn't take my enjoyment away from it if i'm having a good time it doesn't matter if people hated it yeah the same way that if you're having a good time it shouldn't matter if i didn't like it well, who cares it's, it's our you know, hobbies it's our life
2: that's not. an interesting thing that you brought up about you know how people try to hate on things and get you to change your opinion are you familiar with uh g4 the video game channel yeah that's just, it. it happened to them did you know that they relaunched yeah yeah, yeah i
3: know xavier woods is on there he's one of the he's
2: on there pretty frequently and yeah now i'll tell you I love the new g4 and yes i know what Frost did and i know what adam cessler went on twitter and said and all that and you know what maybe at the end of the day maybe he shouldn't have done that being that they just relaunched a network and trying to get everyone to come in on it. but man the amount of hate that like the youtube content creators just got all over that and it just it create it almost created such a strong Anti G four opinion that it actually and I didn't even realize this until later on when I got over it. It stopped me from watching the channel for about a week or not. and I didn't even care what Frost said. I didn't even care what Adam Sessler said. You know, I I don't care about that stuff. But for some reason, I I caught myself just not wanting to turn it on for a little bit. So no matter if we want to admit it or not, as 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 adults in this country, sometimes we are swayed. Our opinions are swayed by the masses and by the majority opinion sometimes that youtubers can generate yeah and, and, and that's why
3: because uh, because i've always been frustrated with that being a lifelong wrestling fan there, there, there's been periods where it's been really cool to be a wrestling fan mm-hmm. and there's been periods where it's really lame to be a wrestling fan as far as how people who don't get it look at it um and, and, and it always frustrated me when people would come out of nowhere and shit on that thing that I never try to do it myself, and, and I'm not perfect. Sometimes I have issues with it, but like like the way I always describe it too, it's um you know I'm a big sports fan. I I love sports. I'm a big football fan, for instance. The Super Bowl is a big deal, and there's certain people that are in certain segments that they hate the Super Bowl, and so every, every Super Bowl you see these like these ultra you know uh they they're nerds in different ways. Will make their sports ball jokes and all this kind of stuff. There's certain things you just have to accept that a lot of people like and it's not for you. Just take that day off. Your right. your joke's not gonna make 140 million people not watch the Super Bowl. Right. If you don't like if you don't like the Super Bowl, fine, don't watch it. That that is totally your right. Go do whatever else you want. That day you just kind of have to shut up. You yeah. Know? I, I personally don't like Star Wars. So when a new Star Wars movie comes out, I don't give a shit personally. Right. But I'm not gonna go out of my way to ruin your fun. If it's something you're clearly excited about, have a great time. While you go to the movie, I'll play a video game. I'll watch wrestling. I'll watch yeah. the game. You know, like we could you people can just like stuff. I, I know it's that meme, let people like things, and I fully believe that. Especially if it's not hurting anybody. Like right. if you like some if you like something horrible, then yeah, please stop doing that. Yeah. But like but if you're if you're just into a nerdy thing that's different than my nerdy thing who
2: gives a shit? have fun I mean, like, I mean like if if you're hoarding child porn in a neighborhood I and mean, the neighbors yeah. are probably gonna want you to get rid of that, yeah. and rid of that, that that's a bad hobby don't yeah. do that yeah. hobby that's yeah. what i'm saying but,
3: but, but, but if you're right. but if you're if you're a brony have fun man go fucking crazy it doesn't yeah. hurt anybody enjoy your thing it doesn't right. matter like like, making you stop like that does not suddenly enhance my life. Have a great time. Go nuts. I don't care a right. shit.
2: You know, and it, that's how it is. Because, you know, like I said, I'm not a fan of WWE. But I, I like you said, I don't tell anybody that they shouldn't also not, yeah. you know, like, like WWE. It's just, I am much more, I don't want to watch a PG wrestling product. And right now, we finally, finally have a TV-14 more adult-oriented national product that dare say it's actually more vulgar than it ever was even in the Attitude Era. Like, they, they see some vulgar-ass shit on AEW, and I love it because... And, and, and that's the thing that's interesting, because, like, that is one
3: of the things that I dislike really? about AEW. It, 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 and it's not that I'm offended. It, it, it has nothing to do with that, because I, I think, you know, for instance, I, I, I'm someone that, like, just being friends with a lot of wrestlers now, I get worried when they're bleeding all over each other. You know, like there's there certain things like that. I get a little mad sometimes watching AEW. It's, it's not it's not that they curse, because I'm, I'm an adult. People have been listening to this. I fucking curse too. I'm not offended by it as a human. I sometimes will watch AEW and I'll be like, they didn't have to say shit there. That was so forced. They're just saying shit because they're the edgy adult product. You know, I always want things to make sense. You know, I'll, I'll get like stand up that way. If I If I'm cursing during a joke, it's because it has a purpose. The curse word, in my brain at least, enhances what I'm doing. It's necessary for that joke. That's why I curse. If it, if it was you know, just on top for no reason, if it was icing, take it off. I sometimes feel some of the, the cursing, especially when they do promos, it's like, okay, you're just saying that because you're allowed to. That's the reason you said it. I just want it to have a purpose. I'm not offended by it. I'm not, I'm not mad. I don't want them to go more PG. I don't think they're corrupting the youth. I just want, if you're doing something, do it with purpose.
2: Oh, I definitely, definitely get what your point is. I definitely get it. Did you see, um, oh, it was, I mean, it was a big deal when it happened. Did you see when John Moxley came back and did his first promo and yeah. some, some guy I'll tell you this, Mike, uh, I'll tell you this story. This guy, because Mike, our, our co host Mike, does not watch wrestling, so he doesn't know anything about it. So, Mike. Nerd, what's wrong with you, idiot? Why you- <laughs> yeah. What are you, a fucking virgin or something like that? Ugh. Anyway.
4: Well, um, a wrestling
2: virgin, yes. Oh, okay. Well, um, so, Mike, there's this guy. His name's John Moxley. Pretty popular mm-hmm. in the promotion of AEW. He was also popular in WWE. I would say John Moxley's a big deal in the televised wrestling world in general. And he came from the indies. So he was a wrestling, you know, uh, he was an internet uh, baby darling as well for a while. Well, back in uh, what was it, September, October, he left suddenly the company because he had an alcohol problem and he checked himself into a rehab center. And it it, it, it made the news, not like mainstream news, but if you're a wrestling fan, you knew about it no matter what promotion you watched. Well, he stayed gone all the way until, what was that? The beginning of February, the end of January, something like that. Um, Last month,
3: month, he's remembering. Yeah,
2: he came back. For the most part, the reception was fucking amazing. And uh, they so happened to have been in a really small arena that week. And I believe that, what was there only, like maybe 1,500 people in there. It was a small crowd. And the reason why that's relevant is because when he got in the ring, and the music turned off and, and he started talking. One fan in the in the crowd started heckling him. And he said something like, Hey, get that drunken piece of trash out of the ring or something. And it was loud enough to where it came through on TV and all that. And on national television on the TBS network, on the TBS network, John Moxley gets on the microphone and he instinctively says, Hey, go fuck yourself. Get that piece of shit out of
4: Oh shit.
2: And me and my friend, we look back at each other, we're like, what the fuck? Like I never heard that before on cable television. And they the the, the network didn't even try to bleep it. There was no sec seven second delay. There's nothing. It just it, it and it it felt so fucking real. Like, you know, that part was real. And then he went on. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, like, like I, I have two thoughts on
3: that. Um, number one, I'm gonna kind of do the negative thought. Even if someone says something shitty you're still supposed to be a professional and you know, you're on television. Like, like I was very excited when I was on America's got talent. When, when I like, like, for instance, when I moved on to the finals, I was kind of in this thing called the Duncan save where basically you are, you're like possibly going to be eliminated. They do another audience vote. You can barely make it through. I was in that. I got voted through to go to the finals. My instinct was to go fucking hell. Yeah. Like I was excited and I had a live mic on live television
2: Mm -hmm.
3: In the back of my head, I still have to know. I don't get to say fuck just because I'm excited. (laughs) You know, like, you still have to keep that in mind. So there's a certain part of me that goes, okay, yeah, he needs to know better. Even if he's pissed, you don't get to curse on live TV. But that's also the thing that did not make me mad because it was real. You know, it was based, like, it felt like there was a reason to say, and obviously it was unplanned, but at least in that moment, it made him a real, like, that was a real moment. So him saying "go fuck yourself" actually came from something. Yeah. Whereas a lot of times, or they'd be like, "Yeah, you're a real piece of shit." It's like, oh, ha you get to say shit now. That's real cool. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't feel like it's coming from a real place a lot of the time. That that's the only issue I have with it. It's not that it's too adult. I like I like that the products are different. I like that they cater a little bit to different people because that's what makes it fun. Yeah. But I don't want it all to be the same. I just want, on both sides, I just want there to be a reason when things happen. And WWE does some dumb shit that doesn't make sense either, you um, know, but, but in a different
2: they, way. They do a lot of shit that doesn't yeah. make sense. I watch WWE, and it makes me feel more disabled than I already goddamn am. So. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 it, and for
3: me, it just depends on what you're looking at, you know. Like I, I always I always look at it in a way. Um, not every segment's going to be for me. And I can get that way with AEW. Like, like we, we can get into the weeds about, like, nerdiness of stuff like this. Um, I don't know the guy. I'm, I'm glad he's sober. I wish him well. I've never liked Moxley as a performer personally. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would not say he's bad. I would not say you're an idiot if you like him. I just personally do not connect with him. He does not. I don't enjoy his work. So for some people, that might be the highlight of watching AEW that week is getting to see what Mox does. For me, I'm going to check email when he's on television because I personally am not as interested in it. And we're both Right. You know, that's the thing that I always try to preach with it. That's kind of like the greater thesis statement. We're both right. Neither of us is wrong in our opinion. Because It's our opinion on a nerd thing we like.
2: And and that's like also, you know, some people foolishly sit there and say, well, you know, WWE needs to fold already or sell to Disney. And it's like, if they fucking do that, then AEW will eventually get lazy and become a WWE. So, no, I I don't want either company to – competition's good.
3: Well, what uh, is it, rising tides raise all ships. Is that the the, yeah. the, the phrase? Like, uh, I, I, I like, like even if even if AEW is not my favorite wrestling product of all time, I want them to do really well. I have a lot yeah. of friends that work there. I, I like watching it. I just I, I'm not rabid for it yet, though, personally. Yeah. That's just kind of my opinion. No, but I want them to do well. I don't I don't want them to go out of business or anything. God, no. I, I want I want that show to be great. So that WWE is great, and I want WWE to be great. So that AEW is great, which then makes Impact great, which can make New Japan. Like I want, I I like wrestling. Yeah, I I want it not to be shitty. I don't care who the promotion is. Just I want it to be good because I only I, have a I only have so many hours in the day to devote to nerd stuff that I don't want to power through bad stuff. Yeah, I want it all to
2: be good. <laughs> I um I I definitely uh. Oh, fuck. I lost my thought again.
3: <laughs> I don't know. It's, I, I, it's, I what, don't, what, it's past midnight over there now. It's getting late.
2: Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll probably, we'll probably <laughs> give this, we'll probably give this another 20 more minutes or so We'll wrap right. it, if that's okay. That um, works for me. No, it's just, I don't want either company to go away. And you know what I mean? AEW, if, if they fold WWE can go back to being lazy again. That's what I was going to say. I did watch the Royal Rumble. Uh, the end of January. And the one thing I noticed is that before I stopped watching WWE like over a year or so ago, the last show I remembered watching was Goddamn Zombies Attack Miz and oh, uh, Morgan. So uh, back at that point, I didn't hear any of the crowds singing along with any of the Rantran's musics. And you know good goddamn well that happens in AEW on a regular basis. But when I watched Royal Rumble, I definitely heard crowd participation. And so it's like you know AEW's got an influence on the WWE crowd. Yeah, I, I mean, but it also
3: depends on how you go. Like NXT crowds would sing around with uh, Shinsuke Shin Nakamura's
2: theme. you know. So, That's true.
3: Uh, but but, but I, I would argue that NXT crowds are probably the AEW crowds now. Yes. <laughs> a yes. lot of those people probably went over. I,
2: I wouldn't have stopped watching a, uh, NXT if it didn't fucking change to this 2.0 yeah. bullshit. Yeah, and, and,
3: but but like like for me, like I don't think it's as good. I still find enjoyment in it though, and and that that's kind of like the bigger point I'm trying to make. Um, just with how I how I personally approach stuff like that, it can still be fun because 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 if we're talking wrestling specifically, all the shows have dumb things, you know they do. Like like last week, apparently, um, the guy from from Karate Kid is now canon. That character is now, he exists because he directed Britt Baker to like, 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 as the sensei, it wasn't the actor. Oh, the the, the yeah, sensei, the, the was, sensei yeah. from freaking Karate Kid instructed one of the wrestlers to go beat somebody up. Yeah, And so everyone, can... everyone was like, and I'm not even saying that's bad. Cause like, I get it, it's entertainment. Wrestling's silly. You can do that stuff. What I got mad about is you would see AEW fans who are pissed off about Logan Paul being a part of WrestleMania because celebrities don't belong here. But then they thought it was fucking great that the sensei from Karate Kid is Britt Baker's sensei. Like, yeah, stuff stuff can just be silly and like it's dumb. You don't have to love it. But like it's not WWE bad, AEW good or vice
2: versa. It's like just, just enjoy stuff or not. I Stop mean, you know, I'm not a fan of Bad Bunny, but he did bring in a good business deal for WWE. He it,
3: and he was yeah. great. He was great. He was yeah. the best part of the Royal Rumble, I think, because that was a pretty lackluster men's Royal Rumble. He was great in it, though, because he worked hard, he cared. Yeah, it was
2: a lackluster Royal Rumble. I enjoyed the women's Rumble, but I think that's because a lot of nostalgic acts were in the women's yeah. Rumble. My favorite part of that match was when Ivory, the right-to-censor version yeah. of Ivory, came out and said, Let me tell you, women." Well, When she was still doing the promo as she was being thrown over the top,
3: that was great. That was that That was was very that was a very nice touch. That's fucking great.
2: Um, well, uh, before we uh before we go into our last few minutes here, uh, what are some of the things you can think of off the top of your head throughout your years of watching wrestling that bothered you? Not, I don't mean just general um cussing or. You know something not making sense. Tell me, what are some of the storylines that maybe either WWF or WCW or any of them did ECW maybe that you thought, eh? They probably like. For an example, did you appreciate watching Triple H put a cane mask on and fuck that uh, that dummy?
3: <laughs> no, no, not at all. Uh, there there's there certain things like that, like 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 even we'll talk about the Katie Vick storyline there, uh, w- without it being like. It made me mad because it was like a 20 minute segment, you know, like, like, like it's, you you can, it's, I mean, it's clear if you, if you kind of step back and look, it was obviously supposed to be over the top and not true. And like, it was supposed to be him, but like, it was the fact that so much time was devoted to it. Like, like I, I feel WWE is really bad at it, but wrestling in general has a bad habit over the years of just beating people over the head with stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. There, there, there's
3: no subtlety <laughs> involved in anything it's like yeah he could make that awful joke about him sleeping with his dead girlfriend you don't yeah. have to do a 20 minute thing where he acts it out <laughs> you know like that, that that's the kind of stuff that always bothered me um i gotta send that to you mike mike i gotta send that yeah. clip to oh you. it's over the top. yeah it's um, awful uh the, the, as far as storylines go th- there's been very few a- and maybe I give it a pass when I shouldn't, but like there's obviously been some pretty racist stereotype kind of characters over the top that just don't, didn't age. Well, you know, obviously (laughs) Um, probably one of the the most offensive um, story. It was just because of how it ended. It wasn't the storyline itself, but it was how it's ended. I think it was WrestleMania 19 with triple H and Booker T
2: I knew it. I knew it. Exactly. As soon as you said the, the racist thing, I knew exactly, yeah. exactly about that. Because the whole lead, like, I, and, and here's the thing. Here's here's the point
3: that I always make about this. The fact that Triple H was basically being very blatantly racist is not honestly the problem I had with the storyline.
2: It's that it, book it, where he didn't win in the end.
3: Yeah, because like I, I think that makes it a good storyline. Like, not necessarily that he should be saying racist shit. I'm not advocating the racism part of it. But if Triple H is being a racist piece of shit, but then Booker T kicks his ass and defeats him, then yeah, the piece of shit got what was coming to him. That's right. what we want. But when he's a piece of shit and then he wins and that's it, then it's just yeah. like, you can't fucking do it that way. Like, no, like, 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 I, and, and I feel that way. Like, like you want if someone you need to see someone be a real piece of shit to care if they lose. Otherwise, yeah. you have no investment. And I'm not saying that racism should be the the path they should always take, but if they're gonna do a, a racial storyline, the person who's being punched down at better fucking win.
2: Do you <laughs> remember? And 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 because I've never ever been a Nia Jax fan, but do you remember just a few years ago when they did that fat shame story between her and Alexa Bliss? Yeah, like that—that that, that irritating. When, when they did, they did that with. Uh, they did a similar thing with.
3: Um, uh, Michelle McCool and Layla against Mickey James, where they were calling her Mickey James and all yeah. that. And yeah. Mickey James isn't even fat. A- and my thoughts about Nia Jax's work aside, like I didn't like. i Number one, I don't even think she's like fat per se. She's she was clearly still athletic. It's not like she wasn't necessarily the best wrestler like, in the world, but know. it's not like she was just a fat piece of shit who couldn't do any. You know, right. it wasn't that? But like. I, I always think that with with wrestling in general like the diversity of the roster is just what makes them interesting uh it, it, it's why i had a lot of trouble for and, and sometimes and i know this will sound silly because uh, this is what a lot of people like about aew i almost think sometimes that aew puts on too many good matches mm-hmm. that they all that they all blend together yep that that like, like I, I had that trouble Wait. when i
2: they give it all away for free on on tv and when they yeah. should be saving some of that for uh pay-per-view now this is an interesting uh comment right here put that back up there please the problem with uh is booker t was wcw and triple h buried him to say "fuck you to wcw okay well they should have made it a little bit more about wwe versus wcw because yeah I'm, so I'm just right. I'm with, yeah I'm with you on this one they like when i think back to that storyline i'm thinking about that segment in the middle of the ring when triple H said you people don't deserve yeah. this type of spotlight. Yeah. It's like, man, that's what that Talk, was all about.
3: I think kind of like he was talking about his nappy hair and all this kind of just horrible shit, you know, mm-hmm. and, and like, um, yeah, it's, you, you just gotta have a better payoff. Again, the storyline itself in a vacuum does not bother me if the, the ending is different. Right. If now, the ending's different, then yeah. Fuck him! He was a racist piece of shit, and then he got his ass kicked. Yeah, yeah that's what he wanted.
2: Um, didn't Nia Jax beat Alexa Bliss in that storyline, or am I? Thinking I think so. About- I, I,
3: yeah. I think she did there, which is which is great. But so, but so kind great. of the point we we're just talking about, though, like I, I like when there's different types of characters. I think that's why I still have a little bit of a lean towards WWE, even if the writing's not as good. Is is I feel there's just a little more diversity in what's going on, and I'm not sure. talking like racial diversity, but like. If you want to see a couple of big giants beat each other up, you can do that there. You know, if you want to see women's matches, you you know, I, I feel like AEW, and, and I'm not faulting the individuals whatsoever because they're all very talented, but I could watch a pay per view and everyone is going out wrestling the same general kind of style, trying to have five star matches. It, it's that, all spot- that that it all starts to blend together. Yeah, it's it's all, it's, it's
2: all, it's all spot monkey matches is yeah. what it is. And, and, and those can be fun. Those, those can be definitely yeah. fun. I, I like those matches.
3: But I had that trouble when I used to watch Ring of Honor when I tried to really get into that early on. Is that if, if you give me one Ring of Honor match to watch and just let me watch that one match, I'll be like, that was fucking great. If you try to make me watch three hours of everybody doing that kind of match where they're all going completely balls to the wall all out. I'm exhausted and I don't remember any of it at that point. And I get that a little bit with AEW, not as bad because they still have characters, but I get just a little bit burned out that I'm like, man, they're all just going for it. Like, like you need those breather matches as a fan, you know, sometimes. Yeah, you gotta, it, I, I, at least I personally do.
2: No, I definitely agree with that. I, um, what is this? Yeah. Nick Myers yeah. basically agreeing with this. Yeah, Nick is going to agree with us now because he knows he's about to get canceled if he doesn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I've recorded um, all of this right now. It, it, you know, and you you put it in an interesting way because I never really thought about it like that. But you're right. As wrestling fans, no matter what company you like, you do need some some breather matches, some some filler matches, because then you need to hype back up for a main event. Um, and you're right. WWE has a lot of a div- lot more diversity. You got your silly characters, you got your female characters, and you got guys like Roman Reigns that's killing it in a serious, very serious manner. No. Um, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah you, you, I I, th- I think because you give everybody a little bit of everything, and, and I think that's uh, for me as a guy who doesn't know shit about shit, I think that's that's AEW's biggest weakness is they don't quite have enough that caters to casual people. The people who love AEW are hardcore and passionate, are going to show up to shows and spend money, and that's yeah. great. I, I don't know if there's anything on it. Like, there's stuff on WWE I could show my wife, who does not care about wrestling at all, that she at, my, at least might get a little chuckle out of or get a little bit of like, oh, okay, that was kind of weird and fun. I, I can't think of anything on AEW that I could show her that would, like, hook her as someone who doesn't give a shit about wrestling well, as an art.
2: I'll give you one example from AEW because it's worked for me. I would say Orange Cassidy is that casual viewer. you show yeah. Orange Cassidy to someone, and anybody who doesn't like wrestling would think, "Yeah, this is kind of funny. Like, it's stupid, but it's kind of funny." Yeah,
3: and, and uh, uh, I, I'm happy to say that Orange is a good dude too. So yeah. I, I got I, I got to meet him uh, on the cruise. He was on the cruise too. And he,
2: uh, shout out to Orange. Orange is a good guy. I like. Orange. Yeah, he, he seems like a really cool guy. Very chill. All right, so we are going to wrap it up here in about five minutes. I want to go back briefly to the video game discussion. I have one last question for you. I am going to list a few consoles, and I would like you to tell me – it doesn't have to be top three, top five, whatever comes to your head. Tell me your favorite video games from a console. Sure, absolutely. NES.
3: Uh, NES, my favorite game is The Guardian Legend.
2: Oh, my God, are you kidding me? I love that game. That
3: is – such an underrated game um Fuck. I, I, I i wouldn't say it's the best game if i was objectively trying to say you know what's the best guy I would not say that but it is by far my favorite
2: i just you know and i was thinking in my head like how because i was going to sneak in a quick discussion about the guardian legend before nice. we jump <laughs> off of the subject because every nes owner or player should have played the guardian legend at least through once
3: yeah that, that is isn't my top five games all time Regardless of
2: me too, goddamn! I love that before, game. Before we move on, let's just put this game over just a little <laughs> bit more. What I mean, this game's a hybrid game. Starts out like a top-down shooter, like fucking Galaga or or nineteen forty-two or something like that, and then you're shifted right into old-school Legend of Zelda style.
3: Yeah, it, it, it's it's so ahead of its time. Like like I, I feel that type of game if it came out like now-ish people would love the fact that it has that hybrid style yes. to it um yes. i i wouldn't go as far as to say hidden gem because i think there's enough people know about the nes library now you're where right. nothing's really hidden you're but right. it, it definitely gets overlooked for it, sure if you have an nes or you have access to emulators play guardian legend i, I cannot yeah. recommend it enough and
2: you're right starting about seven eight years ago maybe 10 years ago yeah you're right it was no longer nothing's
3: hidden anymore like there's there's yeah. there, there's too many youtube channels and there's too much knowledge on the internet for anything to really be hidden but yeah. it still deserves more praise than it gets so
2: did you Play know did you know because i just want to talk some nerd specs about this game just for real quick because there's a community there's an online community it was called like the dart the guardian legend forum or something like that there is an entire glitch world in that game that yeah. didn't even get discovered until what late two thousand, you know, two thousands or something like that. Yeah, it's and relatively it, recent. And it, it is it is one of the most comprehensive yet eerie glitch worlds that you, I can think of of any old school video game, just because of the way the properties work in the glitch world.
3: Yeah, it, it, it's interesting stuff. It's been a while since I looked at that stuff, so I will be honest, I don't remember many specifics of that part of it, but it is uh uh that, that, that's one of the reasons that like just as a video game fan, I love speedruns because of just how people figure out like b- how to break stuff and find that kind of stuff. I'm fast cuz I don't I don't have the patience for that nor the time. Right. So, right. so I am always very impressed when people just figure out they they they've dug into something so deeply that they could figure out that weird shit. I I love that.
2: I I think like, and it's still, when I think about even in this moment, it it almost gives me goosebumps because like the way you describe the way, the only way it can be described uh, with where the guardian legend is using its properties for glitch world is it's using dumped graphics, dumped audio files and dumped character models. And it's putting it together in a password system that it thinks that exists. But it doesn't, and in theory, a game normally can't do that. Like it normally, it you would just freeze up the game, or you'd get like just a weird blue screen or something. You'd have to reset the console. But this game, at times, will put you into a level that it created all on its own just by. It, it's so fucking weird. Yeah, and-
3: yeah, I, I mean, like another kind of sort of example. Not to get too far away from your original topic, we're trying to do here, but uh, Metroid with yeah. the, uh, the with the Justin Bailey password apparently that's that's random that was not put in there deliberately as it's not a developer that worked on the game just through random happenstance of a billion different possibilities the fact that someone's named justin bailey and a bunch of dashes happens to be a great ass password right (laughs) that gets you overpowered and and ready for the end boss it's (laughs)
2: For yeah, for the Guardian Legend, it's uh just Alan A L A N, and then a bunch of zeros, and then it takes you into a weird glitch world. Okay, um I'll,
3: I'll have to give that a shot again. It's been a little while since I've uh, fired that game up.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Um, I have another show that's it's more suitable for this type of topic. It's called Crossing the Streams. We can talk video games. Okay, more cool. more. but before we go, so any other favorite games on NES?
3: Um, uh, as far as like time put into them, uh, otherwise I would give a shout out to would be Contra. The original contra one of my claim to fames in the trailer park growing up was i was the only kid that could beat it without the konami code that guy has played it enough to figure it out uh and then tecmo super bowl um me, me and my buddy jason who lived in the trailer park with me that what we used to just spend weekends non-stop just playing seasons of tecmo right. super bowl so I, I i will always uh have a soft spot in my heart for that game
2: right what about you you didn't own super c uh no,
3: I I didn't play that until much later. I think the first time I played that was college. Actually,
2: oh I see. Yeah, so uh, con the original Contra is probably better to you than Super C is for me personally.
3: I I think Super C is a great game. I don't have the nostalgia for it. I just enjoy Contra more
2: personally, of course. Um, so moving on uh to a segue of the whole nostalgia goggles versus non nostalgia goggles. Let's go to Sega Genesis real quick, and I'll let so- you go ahead and tell a couple of free uh. uh besties on
3: that uh so sega genesis honestly i have not played a ton of i was always a nintendo kid growing up that just like i said we were poor we weren't gonna have every console we could possibly have kind of thing mm-hmm. um uh the, the stuff that i've enjoyed um i like shining force a lot uh, i think shining force is really fun uh and then uh gunstar heroes
2: gunstar, I, I i yeah gunstar heroes is classic
3: it's very graphically impressive when you realize what it's being run on. But some of the stuff they were able to do, like that, that, that game, still looks pretty today, and it's yes.
2: on a 16-bit. System. Um. Now it didn't come out in the states, so I'm going to ask if you even know about it. Have you heard of a, a Mega Drive game called Alien Soldier?
3: I know of it, but I've not played it.
2: It plays sort of like Gunstar Heroes, except it's like just a boss rush game. Oh, okay.
3: Awesome. Yeah, Which is like the best part of Gunstar Heroes is the boss yeah. is perfect.
2: It, it, dude, check out – uh, whenever you think about it, give a shot to Alien Soldier if you have it on emulation or anything like that. Because I, it will, is, I will write it down right now. <laughs> oh, awesome. Okay um but yeah alien soldier it has gnarly boss battles i would say the bosses are just as creative and intimidating as they are in in the guardian legend uh levels um but yeah um the point i was going to make up real uh bring up real quick about sega genesis so growing up i didn't have a super nintendo i had a sega genesis and one of my favorite games was that tmnt game the hyperstone heist okay yeah and that's a beat-em-up just like streets of rage well i didn't even know until fucking 2016 that turtles in time even existed first in the arcade but then the better version uh on super nintendo in my opinion and i just thought that the hyperstone heist was a fucking video game that was just made for the 16-bit era and here it's it's not even considered the better half of those two 16-bit
3: games turtles turtles in time is amazing i I, that's Top ten SNES games for sure, oh, and, it, and it's up oh, there with yeah. my favorite games ever.
2: Fuck yeah! Oh yeah! Um, and that's what I was gonna say. That's the one example that I can say because I got nostalgia goggles for the Hyperstone Heist. I played that as a kid, teenager, early adulthood. I didn't play. I was thirty years old the first time I fucking played Turtles Time. <laughs> and but you know what? Because I have an emulation station, and you know, so I can play whatever the fuck I want. And I can honestly say, uh, even with Nostalgia Goggles on for the Hyperstone Heist, yeah, Turtles in Time is a way better, way more balanced and more creative beat-em-up and and video game in general than Hyperstone Heist. It's sad to say, but it is. Big fan, Um, big fan. So while we're on the subject of Super Nintendo, uh, some favorite games on there?
3: Uh, So Super Nintendo probably has a lot of my favorite games ever. Uh, So... One, for instance, because I have my uh, my streaming set up over here right now
2: is uh Oh hell yeah. yeah
3: Mario so, RPG a lot so of Mario
2: people RPG. a lot of people get pissed off about that game and say that it's like a prototype basically for paper Mario, but
3: Nah, I, I think that game's great. That game is phenomenal. It, it, it I, I like it because it's an RPG. It doesn't overstay its welcome. You can get it done in like eight to ten hours. Uh it's funny. It's fun. It's it's got a little challenge, but like it's not. That's not what its design is. It's not like a beat your head against the wall kind of game. Right. Uh, I I think it's fantastic. Uh, the other game I just have handy with me now. I don't like as a sports fan. I think this is the best baseball game ever. Ken,
2: is that Ken Dick, Griffey Jr.? Yeah,
3: Ken Griffey Jr. Or, or, he presents Major League Baseball. It's still my favorite baseball game of all time.
2: Because didn't he? Didn't they come out with three of those Ken Griffey Jr. games? Brenny uh,
3: there's two on the Super Nintendo, and then there's one or one or two on the N64 as well. Um, which, is that, so
2: the one you held up is that was that the later one or was that that's the, the, that's the original?
3: That, oh, that's okay. the one that I have. The, I don't think the later one personally. I don't enjoy it as much. It's probably a better game. I don't like it as much. Uh, but this one, I, I can just I can fire it up anytime. Uh, going back to sports, uh, Tecmo Super Bowl Three. On super nintendo is probably the game i put the most hours in in my entire life mm-hmm. as far as games go um and, and then the two of my favorite games ever including my favorite game of all time so final fantasy 6 three in the states uh but final fantasy 6 and then my absolute all-time favorite game of all time is uh legend of zelda link to the past of course that that, that is, is that is my
2: can't game go wrong. can't go wrong with that game yeah
3: yeah and it, it's a little cliche um It it does kind of prove to me because I I like Link to the Past way more than Ocarina of Time, for instance. Um, I I think it just depends on which one you played first, like which era you're from, is usually the nostalgia for it. Uh, People I think that are, uh, you know, like I said, I'm almost 40. People who are a little younger than me, who might have played on N64 first, always will pick Ocarina of Time. I think a little bit older, will pick Link to the Past, but uh, both good. But uh, yeah, Link to the Past is... uh, Still, by far, my favorite game. Nothing has replaced it. Yeah.
2: So let, speaking of N64, let's go to a couple more of your the games that you like on N64.
3: Uh, so uh, N64 was uh, – a lot of my uh, experience with N64 is recent. That was kind of the period in my life where I kind of just got away from video games. I was, like, in high school, so that kind of became more of my focus a little uh-huh. bit. So, so I didn't play a ton of N64 at the time. Uh, Mario 64 is still great. I still think the game is fantastic. Um, I really like Mischief Makers. Uh, that game is dope. Uh, I really enjoyed that. And uh, th- those are probably the two biggest highlights for me. i uh, would be those two. And then that, of course that Mario Kart is great.
2: Yeah, right. I, so,
3: I, I, I don't think I'm breaking new ground by saying yeah, yeah, yeah Mario 64 yeah. is good. But Of course.
2: So you said that that was the point where you started moving away from video games. So I guess we'll cut it there. Um. Uh, the last question I want to ask is uh, subject on video games. If you had to pick one console to take with you to a new destination to live, one console only, which one would it be? Um,
3: I would probably say as of right now, and it, maybe it's a little bit of recency bias, but probably my Xbox Series X, just because of um, all of my favorite games of all time are not on that console. But I feel it just has the most uh because all the backwards compatibility, it's got the access to Xbox 360 and OG Xbox as well. Uh and, and Game Pass, I still think is the best the best deal in gaming. It's uh again, not breaking new ground with that opinion, but yeah, uh, Game Pass is dope.
2: Right. Real quick, uh, list off some of your quick Xbox Series X games or whichever Xbox in general.
3: Um, uh, so I love the Forza Horizon games. I have uh, 100% did the first four. I'm almost done with five right now. And those are not short games for any, uh, just for reference <laughs> on that. Um, I, I really enjoy the Borderlands games, at least one and two. I have not played three yet uh, on that. Uh, Titanfall 2 is amazing. I would highly recommend Titanfall 2. Uh, those are the ones that kind of probably stick out to me if I'm going by first gut instinct without digging through my catalog.
2: Uh, Real quick, uh, Nick Myers asked, do we have the GameCube? Did you have a GameCube? Uh, I did. So uh, I
3: I have one now. Uh, I wish I had been able to collect more for it uh, before the prices skyrocketed over the pandemic. So now Mm -hmm. it's getting very expensive to get the other stuff I want. But yeah, I I have a GameCube, and I think I probably have 90 or so games right now for it, 90 or 100. Yeah.
2: Um, So So the
3: the, the Mario parties on there is, is probably what I most associate in my brain with the GameCube. Mm. I, I I know there's mixed feelings on the Mario Party games. Uh the early ones, especially, like one through seven, I love. I, I enjoy those games so much.
2: The general opinion is that one through seven, especially the first three or four, you know, are some of the yeah. best.
3: You know. For sure.
2: Um well, real quick before we jump off the video game stuff, I just want to flex real quick. I actually have a in package sealed copy of the Guardian Legend. You want to take a guess how much I paid for it?
3: uh well when did you buy it that'll
2: uh oh i okay that is a good question i bought this in i believe 2013.
3: 2013 yeah i'm gonna guess if it's 2013 no more than 50 dollars and that's oh, probably really? being a little high really for 2015 oh, no, okay. or 2013.
2: i then i must have got fucking ripped off i paid almost 200 dollars for my okay. I,
3: I i'm not i'm not saying you got ripped off just my instinct uh, I, I feel a lot of that stuff, especially like sealed and box stuff has around that time when internet channels became really big with that kind of stuff. That's when prices really, um, yeah. I, I don't, I don't think 200 getting ripped off for a sealed.
2: I, I was anything. afraid. I mean, you know, it's one thing to look at pictures and you know what the seller can show you, but it's a whole nother thing. Once it shows up at your house, I was afraid it was going to show up dented and smushed in and all kinds of shit. And to my complete surprise. It, it's, I mean, I'm not going to say it's like water gradable or anything like that, but it uh, it's in good enough condition for me. And I held on to it. I still have it. And I, I, I don't know what I'm, if I'm ever going to plan on selling it or what, but I just love the idea of having my most favorite video. Like I said earlier, The Guardian Legends is my most favorite video game out of everything. Oh, excellent. Well, um, uh,
3: uh, uh, that's why it's going to be really sad
2: for you when I now rob you and steal your sealed copy. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, it, it in another 10 years or so when you uh wake up one day and say hey i want to buy that sealed copy of the guardian legend off a of crippled cody then then we'll talk and we'll see okay. how you want to throw at
3: me perfect perfect so miss, that works for me.
2: six figures a year
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, but, hey, but, but, but i live in california so that's like making 30 grand in <laughs> the rest oh, of the country so.
2: yeah that's true What is this? Nick Meyer said, I used to have that cheat disc that you could play original NES games on a GameCube. Good for you. We don't care. We're ending the show, Nick. Yeah, you Um, dirty dirty hacker. Right. Dirty hacker. Yeah, we don't care. I mean, I was talking about emulation earlier, but, you know, I don't care. But anyway. (laughs) It's cool when I do it. Right. (laughs) Hey, just like we said earlier, Nick, it's cool when crippled can talk about stuff like that, but it's not cool when you talk about it. Yeah, you you able-bodies. You already have You're too many a-
3: advantages.
2: You're an ableist. Yeah. Anyway, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I uh, I know it was a long talk, but it didn't seem like you minded too much. No, nah, it was
3: good. I, like I, I I at this point in my life, if I wasn't having fun, I would have bailed an hour ago. So <laughs> don't worry. If I wasn't enjoying, it, I would have been like, oh, something's happening to my internet connection.
2: Oh, I gotta. Oh, oh, oh there I
3: go. I'm out. Sorry
2: um before we log off is there anything that you want to plug real quick anything you want to talk about let the people know to check out
3: sure so my website's cripplethreat.com i have like my tour dates and stuff up there um cripple threats i always right here cripple threat 8 is my social media on everything there go ahead and hit me up there uh working on a couple cool projects right now um one thing that is already in the works i've been doing for a year and a half i have a podcast called the cafeteria uh, that I do with my buddy Johnny Laquasto, who actually used to work for WWE. He was announcer at NXT. Um, he was one of the first people that got laid off when the pandemic happened. Sadly, um, but he—I've he, known him since I started comedy. He's one of my best friends in the world, and we do it with that's uh, me, him, and Brent Terhune, uh, who a lot of people know. He went viral, um, pretty big over the pandemic. He does the uh, the angry redneck character, the uh, big red beard guy uh one of my best friends in the world so it's called the cafeteria uh check out our podcast there i'm working on a youtube channel that i don't have quite ready to go yet but basically all my video game backlog of stuff i'm gonna start playing it and reviewing them on youtube Um, yeah i'll start with that one Uh, that'll be the first one uh so my uh my youtube is cripple threat eight and um, we haven't fully set it up yet, but I'm also working on a project with uh, Seth Macy, who is of uh, IGN. We're doing a video game project together um, that I'm very excited about that I can't give details yet because we're still working those details, but be on the uh, on the lookout for those as well.
2: All right, awesome. Well, thank you again to Ryan. I'm sorry, I can't pronounce your last name. What it's is it? Ne- Miller, the body part, the beer. Miller. okay, Ryan Miller. One of our most favorite guests that we have hey i like you because you like the guardian legend and I, said, I, 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 I i i i'm happy to pander man whatever it takes i'm whatever okay with you being a wwe mark and i will battle about that late we'll have a cripple fight over it there few. we
3: go perfect
2: perfect <laughs> all right this has been oh uh, that's ryan niemler check him out and all the stuff that he just listed off i'm Cripple cody michael J fell asleep about a half an hour ago and we will see <laughs> i'm here yeah, you are in and out, my friend. I was looking over at you, and you are like, Yeah, In all fairness,
3: we got really in the weeds about pro wrestling there for a while. Yeah. So, I mean, if you don't like wrestling, I'm sure
2: a lot of people uh lost yeah. over while we, while we were just nerding out. It is okay. To our good buddy, Lonesome Lenny, have a good night, Lenny. And uh, to the rest of you, thanks for tuning in to this very long episode, but I think it was a very fun conversation, and we will see you on our next episode. Thank
4: you. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. <laughs> but he's yeah, going yeah. for cool. spin- He's haunted by something he cannot define bowel shaking earthquakes of doubt and remorse Assail him, impale him with monster truck force In his mind he's still driving, still making the grade She's hoping in time that her memories will fade Cause he's racing and pacing and partying the course He's fighting and fighting and riding on his horse The sun has gone down and the moon has come up And long ago somebody left with the cup But he's striving and driving and hugging the turns And thinking of someone for whom he's still